Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Curls in the corner. Kapanen back to the blue line to Carrick. The shot coming, and it's wide. Rebound far side. Boyle couldn't get to it. Martin does. Martin swinging it back for Boyle. Boyle back of the goal. A shot. Scores! Scores! Are you kidding me? Kapanen slaps it home. What a brilliant pass from Brian Boyle. And the Leafs win it in overtime. If I find Laced up colon a hockey podcast. I am Bruce Pataglia. Hey man. Hey man. I'm uh, you are? I'm James Cole. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Um yeah, that was uh Joe Bowen calling the Leafs uh you know, Casperi Kapanen and goal from the playoffs, uh, I don't know, last year, two years ago, whatever two years it was. Ago. Yeah. And then uh Our Lady Peace. Mm-hmm. With, let, uh, let me live again. Let me live again. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard any of that. Have you heard the new album? Newish album? Yeah, I, I heard it when it came out. That's right. I didn't, I didn't really remember that song from it, but okay. for some reason I never really went back to that album. wasn't a bad album. Yeah. just haven't really listened to yeah, it Yeah, that, was, that was like me. I listened to it once and it was like, oh, that's good. And then I just put it away. And that, I think that one just came out as a, the latest single. Yeah, I've, so, I've yeah. been really sloppy with certain albums oh. and then also certain movies. Like, I don't know, I'm like semi like five years behind on movies. I don't know. There's a lot of movies I've wanted to see that I just have never seen. Okay. So speaking of which, Hmm? (laughs) you, uh, you went to see a film. I did last weekend. I did. Bohemian Crapsody. Wait, did I say that? Ooh. What did, uh, what'd you think of, uh, the queen movie? It wasn't what I wanted out of a queen movie. I'll, I'll get that out of the way right now. Mm. I don't, I don't think it, it was bad. It just didn't live up to my expectations. The performances were great, I gotta say. Um, the actors that portrayed um, each of the members of the band nailed it. I thought they were. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Um, but some of the backstory could have been a little more extensive, as far as I'm concerned. Um, not a bad film overall. Yeah, I'm not loving what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. I, uh, it looks like it's one of those movies that, uh, that audiences loved because it's about a story that they've all heard, you know, and a story that they all like to hear things about. Yeah. But critics who have seen movies before and have mm-hmm. evaluated movies fucking hate this movie. Yeah. So, like, I'm kind of curious. Anytime that happens and a movie, like, you know, had, a, like, a decent budget and some names to it and bigger story, high profile story, I am, I'm really curious. Yeah, I don't know. It's Looks it's bad to me. It could be one of those like know. cult films, you know what I mean? Like where oh, the God. people that like it like it because they like Queen. Yeah. Um, and if you don't like it, that's fine. But there's enough people that like Queen in the world where the movie might, you know, float by where you know others fail. So I don't know. Sure, hard to say. Yeah. Um, happy birthday, by the way. Well, belated birthday, I guess. Thanks, man. You celebrated a birthday yesterday. Yeah. Well, yeah, yesterday at the time of recording. Yeah, um, oh yeah, a few days from uh, from the time you'll hear this, but yeah. Yeah, I'm officially a member of the 27 Club. Uh, Ooh, time to die. Yeah, I got 364 <laughs> days to, yeah. to make it out. Yeah. So I'll either die in the coming year or I'll live till I'm 90. So well, we'll see what happens. Well, 90. Yeah. 
come on, medicine, modern medicine. The way you know, I don't know if they find a way to regenerate a spleen from nothing. Have. From nothing, they have. but okay. But the, what does it regenerate from? Because you don't have anything well, to regenerate. Like, you like don't a, have a like spleen a to rege- regenerate. It's like a, a plastic spleen. Yeah, they got artificial spleens now. <laughs> I can't afford one. Did you hear but... they put a pig's heart in the guy the other day? <laughs> yeah. He died. Ah. But, you know, it's just exciting. They're trying something like that. <laughs> um. So, how was the birthday? It was okay. Yeah, I didn't, didn't really do anything crazy. I we saw went, you. Uh, I don't know why I'm asking. But... Well, we, we, went to, uh, we went to a concert over the weekend, and I'll call that my, my nice. birthday. It's fun. Yeah, how was uh, how was Sunday? I didn't really ask you yet. Um, Tough go of things or what? Um, given that I don't know who's listening to the podcast these days, I'll just say that I was very, very sick and I didn't go to work on Sunday. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you like to hear, folks. Yeah, well, that was a that, birthday that, well spent. That's what will happen when you go out drinking all night and then the clocks go back an hour, so you keep drinking an extra hour. Yeah, so I wanted to talk to you about that since that happened. Um, we're not going to name names of bars. Sure. Was that bar allowed to stay open and continue serving alcohol? Yes. Are you? Oh, yeah. See, I thought that, I thought, I don't think you were at one point. Because I remember being out one year, and they're like, no, we have to close. We're not allowed. Like, we can't. We have to close. I think, so maybe they changed that I think the only reason they would have to close is if all of their workers were at, like, you know, eight hours or whatever it was. Like, maybe. a maximum. But if you plan around it, it's, like, okay. you're open. That's the, yeah, it's, your, it's technically know, it's, one o'clock, right? So. Yeah. Like, I know at Superstore, we have overnighters that work, and I'm sure the same at your place of business. And uh, when that happens, they get to go home. An hour earlier than what they normally would, yeah. even though it's an eight-hour shift. So. I don't actually have overnighters at my oh, okay, my work. That's fair. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but I've worked overnights. Sure. I'm trying to think, like, because I worked midnights for like a year. I'm trying to think if I ever worked a daylight savings time. I think I booked them off because I was <laughs> it was just an excuse to book the night off. I was mm. like, yeah, yeah. Seems like too much of a hassle. Right. I get too confused. You know, I have to yeah. sleep for this process. Yeah, exactly. I don't know when to show up. Eh, it's just a hassle, you know. Yeah. Well, no, brutes, you still show up. In. No, but, no, no, but beyond good. beyond that, I've I think I've had uh, five uh, helpings of lasagna in four days. That's so good. I've got my fill there. And uh, birthday well spent. Yeah, can't can't complain. So, also should say uh, <laughs> about uh, forty five days till Christmas. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't even know if that's how, the real how number. Dare just, oh, how God, dare you? How dare you? So here on the Laced Up Podcast, we're going to celebrate the 45 days of Christmas. Okay, I got a question. On the first day, I got a question Laced Up Christmas. I want to get your opinion on this, because yeah. I've asked other people, and I've got good arguments. Like, I, I won't say they're, they're, they're like shitty excuses or anything like that. Here we but go. What, what's your stance on celebrating Christmas prior to Remembrance Day? Okay, uh, I am... I am sort of I'm I'm against it. Okay. Now bear in mind you're in my house right now and I do have Christmas stuff up. <laughs> Didn't notice, but okay. Did, yeah, the Christmas shit's up. I don't know. It was just uh, it was cold the other day. I had to go into the shed. I just grabbed <laughs> Make the Christmas. Trip. I just grabbed the fucking Christmas stuff. Wasn't there, man? Like I'm not I'm not going back out there again I'm this winter. Shovel my way to no, the shed in December. I'll yeah. go back out there in April. See you then. I guess I can I'm respect done. that decision. It's, yeah. Uh, no, but um, aside from that, like, uh, 
see, like, a lot of people are anti-Christmas in the sense that, like, Christmas is one fucking day. Like, I don't I don't look at it that way. I, I celebrate the season. I like the season. I think it's, like, the one time of year where, like, things are just a little more cheery. You know so, what I mean? So I, what I is like the it. season, then? But to go off your point, the season definitely does not begin before November 11th. Like, definitely not. Okay. Um, even November 12th, I guess, like, I guess it's acceptable November 12th is what I'm saying. Right. Okay. To me, it's maybe more like November 20th or so, yeah. like with the lead up to like Black Friday, because sure. Black Friday is a thing now, I guess, in Canada. Yeah. So. No, for me, I just like, I see these people, they, they do the Halloween thing and they're like, fucking November 1st, we got to have our trees up. And yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't know. You can't I, wait I, like 10 days. Like, I, I mean, you and I are kind of, I mean, you have a much more sort of uh, intimate relationship to um, Remembrance Day and, and and the spirit of, sure. uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, remembering the wars and, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, even myself, like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a history minor. Mm. You know, I've always kind of read about history and everything in my life. Like, th- these are these are the 11 days of the year where it really comes back to the forefront of what you're supposed to be thinking about at this time of year. And, you know what I mean? Basically, the whole reason you get to celebrate Christmas is because of what you're remembering yeah. right now. You know what I mean? Like, so for me, I've, I don't know, I've always kind of I get taken it a bit more seriously than maybe the yeah. average person. I'm not saying everyone has to either. No. Like, but <clears throat> me personally, that's just what I believe. I don't believe in a lot of things, but that's one of the things I do believe. Like, I get these people that are like, you know, I can, I can, celebrate, I can celebrate Christmas while still remembering at the same time. And you're not wrong. I just, I just think like you should maybe. No, I know, agree. Just put the brakes. I agree, on and I'm, I'm not saying it's. Days. I'm not saying it's disrespectful. No, it's, it's not. It's not. It's, it's just. just uh, yeah. It's unnecessary. I think to just kind of now it's Christmas all of a sudden. But hey, if you want to do it, whatever, yeah. do it, do whatever you I want. I think. I think for me too is like I'm maybe I'm a little bit worried that future generations are gonna start to leg on Remembrance Day a little bit. You know what I mean? Like fucking millennials. Yeah, those yeah. people and whatever comes next. After it's hard those. to say, eh, man. I don't like. Know. I don't know. There, there, there are a lot of like, there are a lot of times I, I sit and look at the way like young people think about certain things, and I'm like, I feel like I'm getting old because it's like, ugh, mm. you know what I mean. But then I don't know. Like, we'll see. They seem to take Time like voting tell. a bit more seriously than like our generation did when we were like 19. You know, not Maybe. saying you and I specifically. I just mean right. like yeah, people. I remember right. so many people when I was 19. Like, why would I vote? Doesn't matter. Well, if like. Three billion of you say that, then yeah, no, it does, it's going to matter a hell of a lot, actually. Right. If one person who's nineteen doesn't vote and every other nineteen-year-old does, then yeah, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, no, I guess that's our uh, holiday intro. Merry Christmas. Ugh. Um. Okay. Some hockey. Yeah, let's do. Lots uh, okay. has happened. Wow. Yeah, this this is probably the I cut. Like we're there's some stuff we're not gonna get to, um, very very, well, I'm, I shouldn't even mention it. I don't. Okay, well Mike Fisher released like a music video. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that? <laughs> like with his wife or? Uh, okay, so in in did six, not see this in sixty seconds or less. Mike Fisher released a uh, a hunting related parody video where he is singing a parody version of Carrie Underwood's "Before He Cheats," mm. and it's. It's a funny idea. It sounds funny when I describe it. It was pretty bad. It was bad. Wow. It was bad. 
All right. No, Be- I didn't. Before didn't hear about before that. she bleats is what it was called. We'll have to have a whole video breakdown podcast yeah, episode about that. I'm I not. I don't, I don't. I didn't think it was that interesting. Okay. Um, Sounds wild, but. We also cut out, uh, but I guess, well, we didn't cut it out. We're going to talk about it now, I guess, briefly. Milan Lucic got $10,000 fine from the NHL today. I don't think either of us disagree. Okay, here's my question. He, he followed Matthew Joseph around the ice, hunted him down. Yeah. Kind of hit him in nowhere. He didn't yeah, have the puck. Yeah, like, yeah. it wasn't even anywhere near the puck, actually. He was in the same zone as the puck, that's but fair. that's about it. Yeah. Um, that's about it. What, what, no. what would he have lost if he got suspended one game? Like I don't know. More than 10,000? Yeah, I thought, so. I thought so. I thought that 10,000 was the maximum you could find a guy without suspending them. And then um, if you suspend them, I think you could find him 10 plus. He loses like one game's wages he forfeits over. Okay. I, no, thought... I was just trying to figure out what, like, what his one game wage would have been. If Significantly just... more. Okay, so... I mean, so if it's a one... You gotta this think... Is lighter, makes... This is a lighter sentence than a game suspension. Big time. Okay. Well, I mean, at least he can play... You Good. know, tomorrow or Good. whatever. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think he did anything that fucked up. Really, like, he did something that we don't see anymore. Well, but... I, I think, I think you're right in the sense that he didn't do anything that was too fucked up. However, what he did could, like, if Joseph, you know, falls the right way, like, he could have a you know concussion from the hit. And then we're having a different conversation. Well, the re- so. the reason that you fine him and potentially suspend him is because you want to tell players that what he did is wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that terrible. But I thought Joseph should have got suspended for his hit. Uh, you didn't end up seeing it, eh? No, I did not. Uh, I'll show it to you later. But yeah, I don't know. I thought... I thought if anyone should have been suspended, like, maybe both of them, but, like... So, I, I, I guess that brings us back to the great question, is 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 that Lucic's job to go out there and, you know, do what he did to Joseph? Or is it the league to step up and say, Joseph, what you did was wrong, well, and suspend see, you? Well, see, and that, that's kind of what gets me about this, too, though, is that, like, Joseph got nothing. He didn't get a fine. He didn't get a phone call. He didn't get anything. Would for... he have... If he wasn't the target in Lucy's Well, you would, ha- you would hope not. You would hope the NHL treats them as two separate incidents, right? Right. But it but begs the question. I don't know. We're dealing with the NHL after yeah, all. I don't know. George Peros, for every two good things he does, he does one thing that I seem to... I don't really love. Yeah. But... It's I mean, it's one of those... It's a thankless job, right? It's, like, it's to be interesting the NHL. because I've, I've just... I'm, I'm almost done... Um, down goes Brown's new book. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm almost done Breaking Bad. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> Seen but... plenty of murders before, yeah. and that was no murder, let me tell you. But he's a guy that grew up in, you know, like the the 80s, and when NHL brawls and these fights and all this was um, commonplace. And he had a whole chapter dedicated to policing the game, more or less. Hmm. Um, and whether, you know, whether it was ever a thing, whether it ever needed to be a thing, if the league should have been you know, doing more at the time. And, um, I don't know. I, I just, I look at, I look at what happened and I, like I said, I haven't seen the hit, so I can't speak to that. But if it's as bad as, you know, you, you say it is and, and it's suspendable in its own right, then I think Lucic needs to have the mental awareness to say, it's not my job. The legal handle this guy. If they don't, okay, maybe next game, we're talking about some payback, 
But this is an east-west thing where you're only going to see these guys once more. There's no guarantee that Lucic is healthy and playing. There's no guarantee that Joseph is healthy and playing. So if that's your one shot, yeah, okay, yeah. maybe you take it. But See, oh, God, this is going to end up being a long discussion now. So I was listening to Bob McKenzie's podcast, I think, last week, and he got a, a question from a listener that was, do you think that the NHL should look into adjusting suspensions to avoid there being payback when that team plays that player again. So, for example, they used Tom Wilson's hit as the example at the time. So instead of suspending Tom Wilson 20 games, you suspend him 18 games, and he misses the next two times that he plays the St. Louis Blues. Now, whether he's on the Capitals or, say, he gets traded to the Arizona Coyotes or something, the next two times Tom Wilson is on a roster... That is playing the St. Louis Blues. Playoffs, regular season, doesn't matter. He cannot play until his team plays the Blues twice. So in theory, you know, maybe those like maybe he's hurt for one of them. And then, you know, that carries over to next year or whatever it may be. But it helps try to, um, I guess, water down the effect of the animosity that's there. Sure. So... At the end of the day, like, going back to it, like, I love the idea, but it's not practical. Like, there's so many loopholes and, and like, ways that teams and players could, like, try to exploit that, I, I think. like. Well, interesting that you bring that up. But it's a really good idea. It's yeah. just, I don't know if it's practical. Well. Interesting that you bring that up because, like I like I said, I, I don't want to be giving away too much, but... In the down goes brown. We we might have Sean on the podcast yeah, one day. I know, James, I like, slow down like here. the but, guy, the guy's trying to promote the book. Yeah, like, well, you might be on here. Something so that don't I give didn't. Away too much. Something that I didn't know. I think it was. Do you remember the uh, Dale Hunter hit on Pierre Turgeon in the playoffs? Absolutely. I believe I could have. I could have my. For those of you who have never seen the hit, to uh, Pierre Turgeon scores a goal, overtime winner. He's celebrating his goal, and Dale Hunter comes and just fucking hits him while like, yeah. the game is over. And hits him Just while he's celebrating a goal. Uh, I don't know if you're about to mention it. Did Hunter get suspended for that? Here's the thing. I, I think it's the Hunter hit. I could have it mixed up with a different suspension. Okay. But if it's the one I'm thinking of, Hunter was suspended for the next six games against the New York Islanders. Interesting. So he got six games, but only the next six games against the Islanders. Which, I don't know how the schedule worked back then, but today would have you know lasted more than one season. Yeah. Where you're only playing a team four times a season at most. So that is an interesting way to handle those types of situations. However, I think the problem was bigger back in the 90s and 80s where you had, you know, retribution and policing that I don't know well, true. High, but Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think, um, for example, like Borvietsky, either of his suspensions this year, the Eakin one or the uh, the Vacanine and elbow. Yeah. I get he just got suspended twice in like a week. I don't know if he's one of those guys you have to worry about. No, like I don't he think was so. like super apologetic both yeah, times yeah, and he, yeah. he legitimately felt bad. Tom Wilson thinks it's like funny when he does this right. stuff. Like and I'm not saying he's a or bad at least I'm not saying he he's doesn't a bad get it dude. Anyway, yeah. Well he was yeah, I mean he was laughing at the Zach Aston Reese thing. And maybe he didn't know the severity of what happened, right. but I mean that was that was evident. You kind of fucked that guy up. So, yeah. let's take Lucic as an example, though. Like if if you decided to suspend him instead of the fine, 
and you say, hey, we're not going to let you play the next four games against the Lightning. Um, you're talking two seasons worth of effect. Yeah. And say Lucic is, is hurt or suspended for something else or whatever the case may be. Yeah. He, he doesn't play a certain game. Well, now that carries on to the next season after that. And by the time Lucic actually gets back in the lineup against the Lightning, maybe he's not a member of the Oilers. Maybe he's not you know, playing against Joseph, who isn't a member of the Lightning. You know, it's a totally different set of circumstances. I think there's something there. I, you know, the NHL yeah. might want to look at that as an option, potentially. Yeah. Instead of just saying, here's 10 games. By the way, game number 11, oh, that's against the team that you uh, just had the infraction against in the first place. Yeah. So, tough. And it, it's not equal because this, like I said, is, is a situation where you got a West team versus an East team. If this happens in the division... That suspension means less because you're seeing that guy well, again sooner than you would the Lightning under the same number of games. So, sooner, yes, but it still works the same way to eventually or to hopefully, hopefully, right, like mitigate the situation yeah. and kind of you know what I mean, keep everything calm. And I think that's the whole idea behind it, right? Is mm-hmm. to try to make sure there isn't a classic line brawl. There isn't, um, you know what I mean? Like, do you remember? Um, Something happened between the Winnipeg Jets and the Penguins last year in one game. Yeah. So the Penguins went and dressed, dressed Sestito uh, yeah. the next game, and Killed he, he essentially yeah. ruined Tobias Enstrom's career. Right. Um, you know, like, if that were a divisional game, that would have continued happening. And it might even carry over to this year. Like, I don't know if they played yet this year. I don't know. Like, some shit may go down, man. Like, who's to right, say? Right, And probably Sestito and definitely Enstrom won't be in the lineup that night, but, like... Who's to say that, you know, fucking Matt Rust isn't still... Matt Rust? Brian Rust isn't yeah. still mad about yeah. something and goes after a jet or, like... You know what I mean? Well, like, I, I think I'm sure some stuff was said, and there are things we don't know about when all these things go on in these little battles. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think, divisionally, I, th- I, think that's, I think that's good. Because if you go back to the old battles of Alberta, the uh, Battle of Ontario, you know, Montreal yeah. versus Boston... Pittsburgh, uh, Philly uh, is a prime example. Like these are rivalries, and yeah. these teams hate each other. And even though some of the personnel changes, that hatred doesn't necessarily die off just because players start losing teams, right? Or leaving teams. The, the, the big one that comes to mind for me is um, uh, back in '04 when uh, Steve Moore throws his hit on Marcus Nasland. Right. Well, everyone talks about the next game. Todd Bertuzzi sucker punches him and you know ends his career and everything. But there was a game in between. There was a game less than a week prior to that game that Todd Bertuzzi sucker punches Steve Moore where Gary Bettman was in attendance. Mm -hmm. And he made a note because that was the first time they had played since the Naslin hit. And Bettman made sure, I'm going to show up, I'm going to be at this game. And sure enough, nothing went down. But both teams knew Gary Bettman's not coming every game this season. So less than a week later... It happens, and you know now we have that whole ordeal that takes place as a result. So there's no perfect system, I don't think, but I I, I like the idea of you know saying to a to a guy, you know what, sorry, we're not letting you, (laughs) we're not letting you play against these guys for a while, and maybe that's the best way to handle it. Yeah. So that's our uh, not so short uh, discussion on the uh, Milan Lucic. Yeah. And I should add something, too, to that just very, very quickly as well. I want to clarify 
when I said that um, I thought Matthew Joseph should be suspended for the Chris Russell hit, that I think based on the way they're suspending people now, I find oh, that they've okay. been a little harsher. Gotcha. Now, personally, I'm a little more... I think the NHL's... Oh my god, this is going to be a philosophical debate. This is going to be a whole episode. I I think the NHL has been really light on hits from behind for many, many years. And they do catch some, but there are other ones where... I think there's just been tons over the years. I'll watch a game on any given night, and like there's a hit from behind, and turns into like a two-minute boarding penalty. And it doesn't happen like all the time, but it happens enough, and I think that... like. Before the lockout, when you could do anything, you could grab a guy and grab him by his freaking nose and throw him to the ground and and do all sorts of crazy stuff. Like, hits from behind were a five-minute major and a game misconduct and an automatic suspension at one point in the NHL. And now it's, it's not even a call. You can't even call checking from behind anymore. That's not sure. even a penalty anymore. Now... So, like, when I see that Joseph hit, and I'm also a minor hockey coach, so, like, I'm also just sort of geared to like hate those hits i i look at that hit and to me i thought that was incredibly dirty and chris russell could have knocked out all his freaking front teeth and broke his nose like it could have been a hideous hit no i'm pretty sure he got up and played but again i haven't seen the hit yeah. and i'm i'm not advocating for hits from behind hitting for, <laughs> hits from behind <laughs> like but that'd be fucked up where do you stand on the idea that there is responsibility there is. The there is responsibility on a player. No, I get it. What's going I get on it. around you? Like, there, there are plenty of times, too, where a player turns last second. And I don't think that should be an automatic penalty. If he turns and the guy was already committed to the hit... Not like, even, again, I know how yeah. quick hockey is. And this is why I find the admiring the pass debate is absolute bullshit. Well, not always, but, like, most of the time. Because it's like, do you know... Like, Oscar Sundquist, for example, on the Tom Wilson hit, was admiring his pass. He looked at the puck for, like, a, f a third of a second, and then Tom Wilson hit him. He looked up. He just happened to look the way the puck was going. He's not admiring his pass. He wasn't thinking, like, ooh, what a nice pass I made to Jaden Schwartz here. Like, no, he wasn't. He's not admiring his pass. Yeah. I hate that term. It makes it seem like everyone just, like, looks at these passes like they're a freaking... Like, they just carved Michelangelo's David or something like that. Like, n no. They just I'll... made a pass. They're looking up. Hockey's a quick game. Well, I, I will say that, like, 80% of the time that you're on the ice, you're focused on where the puck is, right? So, yeah. if, you're, if you're the guy that's exactly the pass... The game is focused you're looking on the puck. At the puck. Yeah, it's focused on the puck. It's not you admiring <laughs> the pass, but I get the idea that oh, you're not God. aware of maybe what's going on around you. That's your responsibility to do so. And I just feel that... You, you talked about players turning at the last second. I don't even necessarily agree with that. Like, if you're the guy getting the puck, you should know two things. One, I have the puck. Two... Someone else is going to want the puck. Yeah. So whether you've turned or not, you could be staring at the boards for a minute. You should know someone is coming. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that person needs to plow you into the boards, but I've seen a lot of hits where guys don't seem to take into consideration that, hey, I've got the puck and someone might want to hit me. Mm -hmm. So... 
Again, yeah. haven't seen the hit. I don't want to say that I agree with it, but uh, yeah. I, that's. I think. I think we've gone on long enough yeah. on the Luke okay. Cheech subject. Uh, yeah, because we got. Well, oh my God, we have so much to talk about. Um, all right, the senator's video of the of the oh. of the young kids in the in the Uber. Let's just talk about oh it. Um, God, yeah, this could be a long one too. So. For those of you who didn't see, and I can't imagine you didn't if, see, because if you're listening to this there podcast, are people not there. There are people <laughs> who like don't even watch hockey that are aware that this happened. But seven players on the Ottawa Senators were videotaped in an Uber while they were on a road trip to Phoenix, Arizona, um, talking shit about their coaches and sort of about their team, but not really. It was mostly about the coaches. Um, Yes, James, you have a question. How do you get seven guys in one Uber? They seem to be a van of sorts. Perhaps ah. a, a, an SUV, a multi-purpose ah. utility vehicle. Okay. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a bunch of guys in this little Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> Just kidding. And, they, yeah, so they were talking shit about the team. Um, now, what I didn't know uh, is apparently uh, people have cameras in their private cars. Uber, I think, needs to, which I get. Okay, I didn't hear anything about that. Okay, well, like, say you're an Uber driver, and you pick up some random person that you don't know from Jack, and they beat the shit out of you. No, I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't. Um, yeah, so for me, where I thought this was kind of weird is, like, I've been in cabs, and I've been in Ubers, where it said, smile, you're on camera, or you're yeah. being videotaped, and stuff like that. Yeah. I just think, like, when you go to a store or an airport or, like, a library or wherever, you assume you're being videotaped now when you go into public. Right. But I'm not sure, like, that is a setting where you expect to be videotaped all the time. So, like, I sort of expect people to specify when we are, and I don't really care. But more so the issue is that Uber never really, like, in their privacy policy doesn't say anywhere that they are going to videotape you. But they also don't say anywhere that they're not going to. So I'm going to put some onus on the Senators here, because, like... How dare you. Okay, but you don't fucking talk shit about your coaches in front of anyone other than people that you want to hear it. And don't say you're the Ottawa Senators while you're doing it. But I'm saying 99% of this is the fuck is the fucking Uber driver for being a piece I of shit. So. Like, oh my god. How how do you release that video? Like, how don't you just, like, look at that at the end of the night and being like, oh, that was kind of a cool moment. I was, like, involved with their, you know, discussion and whatever. First like, off. Like, whatever. Fuck it. Like, First why off. do you post that, though? Do you think everyone was going to be like, oh, you're awesome. Like, this is awesome. This Uber guy, he's so cool for posting this video online of all these people having a private conversation. Yeah. What did he think was going to happen? Okay. Did he think he was gonna be like a hero? He was gonna be like a he was gonna be like a meme on the internet now. He was gonna like get verified and he'd be like dart guy now. Right. It's like no. This this guy has if if he hasn't lost his job yet, like uh, I don't, I don't I don't know if there's any hope for Uber. Yeah, I mean the like future. there's no way you should be sharing any videos. How do you have access to that as a driver? The company should have access to those videos, not the driver See, itself. See, but I, okay, now I was under the impression that this was a camera he put in there himself, and I thought Uber drivers just did that on their own. I can't imagine Uber as a company installs cameras in your personal vehicle. I think Uber requires you to have a camera. Really? I didn't, I've never heard that. I, I, I think it makes sense. Oh, I don't disagree with it. I'm just, I've yeah. never heard that. I just don't see how you have... 
And for the driver's protection, like, I get it. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I, yeah. I totally get that. It's tough. I get it, because, like, at the end of the day, I guess Uber has no say over the vehicle itself, so the camera, to some extent, would be the property of the guy driving it. So maybe it is his content. But if you're providing a service and people are paying you for that service, I don't know. Like, I think this guy's lost his job for sure. I think. I hope so. I think uh, Uber... Um, should be making some sort of public apology to I the NHL. See, now that is one thing I'm kind of annoyed that hasn't happened. Because the Senators have to wheel out Matt Duchesne and wheel out Thomas Shabbat and wheel out... Uh, who was the other one who said something no, today? Chris no, uh, Chris uh, Weidman. Weidman. Chris Weidman. And they have to apologize and apologize and... I I'm sorry. In this opinion, in this situation, I think the only people that they should have to apologize to at all is Marty Ramon, Marty Raymond, whatever it is, and Guy Boucher and anyone else they mentioned in the video. But I don't think it's their responsibility to address the media. And I like the way they handled it when they said we apologize to him, and that's all I'm going to say. Let's move on, kind of thing. Because I this was never anyone else's business, and I still don't think it is. Yeah, you know what I mean, and see, like I, I do feel bad for them. I get, again, they said what they said. They shouldn't have said it in front of a guy, and they happen to be videotaped, and it just sucks the way it worked out. Like they shouldn't have said it, but this is still super standard player conversation about a coach, right? Like this happens all the time. And one of my friends even said in our group chat, "Tell me that the coaches aren't like three cars behind in a different Uber saying the same shit about the players." Not only it that, might be. not like, only that, you know like, I mean? find they, find me a person that you know that hasn't talked shit about their boss. Exactly, everybody all does the time. This. I love, I literally love all of my bosses, and I will still like say things about them once in a while. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not everyone loves their boss. I'm lucky. I love my bosses, but like, well, at the one job, but like. Having it's responsibility just so standard. is going to create It's criticism. just standard, exactly. Yeah. Like, if you make so many decisions, like, I would hope, I, I was a head coach for seven years, I would hope players said some shit about me behind my back. I really hope. Because if they all liked me, they're all out of their mind. Yeah. They should not have liked me. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, this is super, super standard stuff. And honestly, before I watched the video, I thought it was going to be so much worse. Right. I thought they were going to say such mean stuff. They really didn't. Like, they were actually pretty funny and kind of respectful, almost. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I to a like, degree. I'd, I'd be more surprised if they put a video out and it was like, we love our fucking coaches. Yeah. And like, oh, I love Marty Ramon. I can't believe our special teams are the worst in league in both categories. Man, is that amazing. We're the Sens, and we haven't had any problems over the last calendar year, and we're doing so wonderful. That would be surprising. This is an organization that once had Dominic Hasek in that. And see, that's the other thing that I think Razor. is a big problem. Razor! Is that, like, this had to happen to the fucking Ottawa oh Senators. Oh, my... Exactly! This could have happened to any other team. Right. Any other team. It was the It could have happened to the Phoenix Coyotes, who live in Phoenix and have probably had this Uber driver. Uh, <laughs> nope. Had to be the team that's going through oh, all man. this shit in yeah, the NHL I, at once. And, okay, and just one more thing about it that did, like, I do kind of feel for these guys, too. Those were mostly young guys. 
that are going to play for other teams probably and many other coaches regardless of if they play for other teams. And you hope it's not an issue of tension because you think, like you would have to think every professional coach understands this is stuff that goes on and this is regular business. But like I just, I really hope that it doesn't get to a point where like people look at like Colin White for example and they're like, Maybe he's kind of an issue in the room. Or, like, you know, Matt Duchesne has had so much negative attention already. This guy's a free agent this summer. And now, like, is this another thing where it's like, yeah, he didn't take Colorado seriously, and now he's in Ottawa, and he doesn't take that seriously, and he's never been on a good team, so why should we spend money on him? Like, I can't imagine anyone's going to read into that decision that much. But, like, for the record, I don't like Matt Duchesne anyway. But Hmm. doesn't bother me. Hmm. I don't know. I actually do think about that. That no, about Matt Duchesne. Actually, right. I don't think about. It. I, I don't felt, know. Like, uh, I felt bad. For, I yeah. felt bad for those guys, and and I, I, that Uber driver's a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. He is. I hope he's fired. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Um, take Lyft from now on, Ottawa. I don't know. That's that's all I have to suggest. Uh, and uh, hopefully he's fired, because out there, a few coaches are two perfectly good men. That are now without job. Well, several good men because like assist, uh, assistant coaches Couple got coaches. fired too. Um, but we'll talk one by one. Let's start with the obvious, and I'll I'm gonna say this as an introduction for him: a guaranteed Hall of Famer, Joel Quenville. Oh yeah, uh, was relieved by the Chicago Blackhawks today. Now, you said something to me the other day about how. You felt, or yesterday, you felt that this would have happened last year. Yeah. And I agree with you, because I thought last year it was coming, and it didn't happen. I don't know how this season's worse than last year, and you feel like you have to make the move now. Now, that said, I've read nothing but positive things online about Jeremy Colleton. Uh, Apparently, he's a very, very smart young guy and is going to be a pretty good coach and I like to hear that. I like seeing young guys get these jobs. I was a head coach of a minor team when I was 19. I get it. You know, I think it's cool. Um, but that said, I I, I, th- I thought this was bizarre timing. Like, they're, they're 500 in a division. Like, they're last in the division, I think, but like in a ridiculously good division where like there's only one bad team and that bad team is doing well mm-hmm. in the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. Nice. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought it was bizarre timing, and I really I don't know. Here's I just I think it's insane how in hockey yeah. these coaches can struggle, and you just fire them, and then like in every other sport, well, you don't see that happen quite as much. Here's the thing: is that maybe the coach isn't struggling, but the GM is, and he's got to play yeah. every last card he can to yeah. convince the president that he deserves to stay in his role. See, but the thing is is so, that even okay, so we were making fun of Stan Bowman last week. But for the record, yes, I do think Stan Bowman is one of the better GMs in hockey. He's for done sure. a good job. He's done yeah. a very good job. Yeah. He's won Stanley Cups. He, he's he's a very smart guy. If you're looking for like um, success of your GM, it's to win a championship and yeah, he's, he's done that he's three times there. full. Like, he's he's so, smart and he's trying his best right. to work his way out of a hole that he dug partially himself yeah. into Dale Talon also. Right. But now here, here here's a question for you. Yeah. With Quinville, it, it doesn't really apply to the other team on our list here, but 
with Quinville, if if you're thinking that you want to replace him as your head coach, mm-hmm. um, you're not talking about... They couldn't have gone much polar opposite. Well, okay. That's not where I'm going. Yeah. You're, you're not dealing with a situation like, um, you know, Philadelphia where you've got like a young... Or, or Dallas, a good example. Jim Montgomery, who's who's there from the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you're talking about Joe Quinville, a guy that you alluded to will will be in the Hall of Fame when he decides to call it quits. Without question. First ballot to me. If you're the GM, does it not make more sense to you to relieve maybe one of the assistant coaches and put Jeremy Colleton in that role? Yeah. And have him no, maybe does. study under Joel Quenville yeah. for a, a year or half a year even and then say, hey, uh, by the way, the deadline's hit. Uh, we're not making the playoffs. Joel, we're going to let you go. We're going to see what Jeremy can do as a full-time coach. But he just spent the last six months under you, so maybe he's learned a few things, you know. And I, I think that that's an option that that a lot of GMs really aren't considering. Again, if you've got a situation in Dallas where you've got a new GM, a young guy that, or sorry, a young coach that you're just not fond of, or it's not just not working, sure, fire him, move on to the next guy, kind of thing. But Joel Quenville, you know, he's a name that carries some like some respect yeah. in the league. And I, I feel well, like Bowman's getting a lot of heat for firing him. Well, he is. I think a lot of it is the combination of a lot of things that have been going on um, with Stan Bowman. Like, it's yeah. just the... I, I get it. Like, I get why he's taking heat. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a bad GM, but I think rightfully so he's taking heat. Um, yeah, I... like. It's not Quenville's fault that uh, Panarin got traded. It's not Quenville's fault that Hosa came down with some sort of skin disease. It's not Quenville's fault that you went out and signed Cam Ward to be your backup goaltender and you, yeah. he's going to allow seven goals a game. Well, the thing with Quenville for me that, that kind of gets me about this is is I understand the whole idea of hockey moving in a new direction. I get that maybe old school guys are not the way you want to go. I don't think Quenville's strictly old school from what I hear about him, though. Like, everything I hear about Q as a coach, like, he's still pretty progressive and is willing to try new things. He just happens to be old and also thinks things that he's seen before. Like, he's kind of a combination of both. But guess what? You know what other coach I've heard that about? Fucking Peter Laviolette all the time is compared to, like, the perfect combination of a new age and old age coach. And right now, his team is 11-3, and three and they're murdering the Avalanche. Right. So, um... I don't know, like, I, you know, I, think, like, you, I think you don't have to look any further than Stan Bowman's father. Yeah. A guy that made the finals in four separate decades to say, coaching isn't necessarily the thing that needs to modernize in the league. If a coach can modernize, then he's a good coach. And I think yeah. Joel Quinville's a guy that knew how to modernize his approach. Yeah, and I mean, like, you don't need to be strictly a player's coach either, right? No. Because, like, that was the whole argument with Dave Tippett for years. Sure. And, like, Dave Tippett, like, now that it's all kind of said and done, and I'm sure he'll probably get another job at some point, but, like, he never he never really had a lot of success in the league. And he was supposed to be, like, the new age player coach, and, like, he didn't really do much, if you look back at it. Like, yeah. Like, he did fine. 
he was never he wasn't a bad coach, but like he wasn't anything to you know write home about necessarily. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's bizarre. Now this is unlike the next coach we're gonna talk about. Where does Quenville end up? Because he, if like Babcock said, if Q wants to work, he's gonna work. Now, Q's contract does make it kind of tough. Okay, so I don't know about this. So you got to tell me then. So he's still like his contract ran for the two seasons. So say a team like the Blues comes along and decides, hey, we'd like to take a <laughs> shot at Joel Quenville. It's funny you went to the Blues. Yeah. Um, Where'd you happen to get that from? Well, a little birdie told me they're not doing so good. And he's going to the Blues. Their coach, but so here's the thing. If he goes to the Blues or tries to go to the Blues, the Blackhawks can say no. He's still under contract with our organization. So the Blues are going to have to make a contract offer to Quenville that supersedes his existing salary with the Blackhawks. Mm, which was high. Six million. Yeah. So if... It was six. It couldn't have been six, though. Six. Yeah? Six million a year. Doesn't Babs make six? And I thought Babs... No, Babs, Babs is over six. Eight. Yeah. yeah, never mind. So, that's the thing. Like, if, if St. Louis comes along and says, we're going to give you four years, or sorry, four mil, the Blackhawks will say, no, sorry, we're not going to let you, you know, deal with this guy that's under contract with us. You have to do better than that, because mm-hmm. we're not going to pay $2 million for, him for to our division else. rival yeah. to have... Yeah, you know, arguably one of the best coaches. And in not, the yeah, that is not the team right now because it's kind of between them and St. Louis, the Blues, yeah. in that you know second tier part of the division, right? Because right? you got your Jets, your Preds. Now, and then it's <clears throat> if a team else, like kinda. the Senators decided they wanted to move on, and they were willing to offer four million dollars, maybe the Blackhawks go with it because oh you're not a division God. rival. You know, like whatever, we don't have to see you very often. They don't have an owner, James. They're going to be in Atlanta in like two years. Yeah, like like, what I'm saying is St. Louis is going to have to pony up for Quenville if they want him bad enough. Yeah, I don't know their situation money-wise, but I hope Quenville's back working soon. I don't know if it's in St. Louis. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, but I, I... my opinion is if he wants to end up somewhere, he will end up somewhere. There's a World Junior Tournament coming up. Oh, my God. <laughs> we are starting that uh, petition online. Yeah. Oh, Hatch- my. oh my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay. Uh, Willie Desjardins is also the interim coach of the Los Angeles the, Kings. John Stevens was let go. The not-so-interim interim coach. What? Well, GM Rob Blake said that Desjardins' interim status is only interim in this in the title. That if he wants to, if he does well, this could be a okay, uh, you know, a career of sorts for Willie Desjardins. Willie, how would you like to coach in the National Hockey League <laughs> as a career? Gee, that'd be swell, Rob. Yeah. What do I got to do? Well, you got to find a way to make uh, Jack Campbell a thirty-five win goaltender. Couldn't you just trade somebody? <laughs> yeah, you don't think Jeff Carter could get a goaltender in return? <laughs> no, nah, we're good. We're good. Good luck with that. Um, what did you think about this? It didn't shock me. Like no, 
Um, John Stevens, another player coach. Yeah. Funny how these player coaches don't seem to... Like... uh, Hey, boys, we lost tonight, but let's go have some beers at the local pub. So for, for my third philosophical argument of the night... Okay. What's with all these player... People think player coaches are like this unreal thing. And then everyone who's ever played for Mike Babcock, who's ever played for um, uh, Scotty Bowman, Bowman, who's ever played for, um, you know, all these other... Ken Hitchcock. None of them have anything good to say about them as, like, people. Or, like, I loved him. Like, you know what I mean? All these people just like to win, and that's it. You hate playing for Scotty Bowman for 364 days of the year. And then the other day you're on the parade. win the cup. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know... I don't get it. Like I, I get, I get that it has worked. Like you alluded to, uh, I think it was Tippett. You talked about Crawford. Tippett's had his moments. He was a player coach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was anyway. He may have changed his his style, but when he was winning cups with the Avalanche, yeah, I he think was you're a, right. A I, th- I thought everyone kind of liked him. Yeah. But he was an asshole at the same time. Like he was kind of like a hybrid. Well, he was. Yeah, he walked the line, I guess. But yeah. Anyway. I I don't know. Like. I don't know, like... you got to really make sure that, uh, like, if you can bold the expletive uh, marker on this episode, that'd be good. Like, if you can put, like, four or five of them. Okay. I feel like we've just been swearing the yeah, whole time. That's, that's fair. Anyway, um, we're drinking wine here. No. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if Willie Desjardins the right answer. I don't know who, like, who else was out there as candidates. It sucks that they pulled the trigger a few days before Quenville got fired, I guess, but uh, is what it is. Um, oh, my God. But I think it was kind of coming in L.A. Because you have to consider that roster and which, what they've done. Which roster would you rather have at this point, L.A. or Chicago? Just right now, not like long term. Mm. Right now, say you want to make the playoffs and win this year. Today? Probably L.A. I think i go L.A. If I've got a coach that knows what they're doing because their top 40 is still pretty good and then you got Fanuff and Fantenberg or whatever on the third pairing yeah. like you know it's not terrible but Kopi you have better top end talent probably the, do- the bottom like, six I'd rather have Kopitar than Taves I'd rather have Kane uh, than Golchuk I'd rather have Doughty than <laughs> Keith, the yeah. corpses on the back end in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, Keith's still really good. He's just not Duncan Keith, and he's definitely not Drew Doughty. No. You know? It's tough. Like, I, I think LA's in a weird spot where they've got the right pieces, but it's just, like, Quick keeps getting hurt, and they can't find yeah. coaching stability. Well, that's the problem. And that's not going to help them this year at all. No. And that's not going to make Willie Desjardins' job easier. Because no, no. you're coming in, like, the problem is you're coming into a team, and I guess the same thing for Chicago, but to a lesser degree. The Kings have been very, very system-heavy yeah. for about 10 years now. And, like, Sutter left, and John Stevens had them play almost not any different at all than Daryl Sutter had them play. So... Like, now you got to come in and you have to try to preach a completely different way of playing hockey. Yeah. Because how is he any different than John Stevens if he doesn't change anything from Stevens, from Sutter? You know, if they play the same way. Like, the, the way yeah. they're playing is not working. Maybe you can make small tweaks, but... I, it's, know, it's funny tough. that you mentioned it, like, almost as a passing joke, but I think it might be time to move on from Jeff Carter. Because Jeff Carter is amazing. I love Jeff Carter. I have a jersey at home. I'm a big fan. But... 
you kind of have to accept the fact that Jeff Carter's 40 goal season days are well behind him. And at 33, 34? 40 goal scoring days, anyway. Yeah. I still think he can score 30. Sure. But, but at 34-ish, I'm not entirely sure how old he is. Um, I want to say 33. Okay. I type, in, that, I type at, in Jeff into Wikipedia, and the first result was Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, uh, he will be 34. Uh, Jeff Carter, not Jeff Dahmer. Uh, will be 34 um, on January 1st of next okay. year. So he could probably still fetch you something decent in return to help plug this lineup. But I, I think yeah, he could fit he's not your places. future. No, and and the thing is with Jeff Carter is he's very tradable because he's got a very friendly cap hit. That too. Now, granted, he's got a lot of years left on the deal, but if you're a team that wants to win now and you kind of need a goal scorer, um, yeah, like the, the Kings he, aren't winning the cup. It's pretty year. easy to fit in. You know right. what I mean? They're no, winning the cup no. this year. They, they could well, contend in the next couple of years. I mean, they won it barely making the playoffs one year, but they were a little bit younger back they then. Were quite in younger. The year of our Lord, two thousand and twelve. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, like Kopitar is still in that, like, you know, sweet spot. Doughty definitely is. Quick, if he can stay healthy, you've got, you know, your pieces there. It's a big think, F at this point. I think Carter is outside the realm of keeping. Um, he's got his cups. you got your cups out of him. I think it's time to move on. Like, I, I, I there's this, this whole idea of, like, you know, commitment or, you know, respecting a player just because he did something for you for once you know like it's, it's great yeah like you got what you wanted you everyone wants to win a Stanley Cup. no you, you did it I, it's I over like move you. on let's go let's it's time for the next chapter what's what can we get for this guy uh give him to a team like um i don't know the jets uh, bad example but like give him to a team that, that can win today and because uh, they will they will give you a a, a windfall of i'd you probably know, get uh Jeff Carter Jets jersey. Oh yeah. Um Giddy up. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean and just to say quickly about the guy specifically too, to shift the argument back to the coaching situation in LA. I'm not a big Willie Desjardins guy. I really didn't like what he did in Vancouver. I I I I I don't know. I should never be able to be watching a game and see the Canucks go up 3 nothing in a playoff game and look at a coach's reaction behind the bench and be like, yeah, they're going to blow this lead. <laughs> like, he's just kind of standing there and he's kind of like fist bumping with his coaches and stuff like that and kind of smiling and looks like he's joking around. You're up, you're up 3 nothing. There's 51 minutes left in this game. You're playing the fucking Calgary Flames in Calgary. You're going to lose this game, man. Like... You should be telling the guys, like, keep going. You should be adjusting the way you play. And they just sat back and sat back and tried to sit on this. And the Flames crushed them. They won, like, 7-4 that night. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I, I don't know. I just never liked him. I thought he said really weird things in interviews. He just seems like a odd dude. Seems like Daryl Sutter without the hockey knowledge. Kind of goes back to the whole idea of maybe you should have waited a few days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But. Anyway, I, I, I don't like either firing. And that's odd to say, because normally I think firing the coach like it's usually done at the right time. I, I don't. I, Why well, I, I, I mean, like I, the I don't love the Stevens one, but I I really don't like the replacement. Yeah, that's the thing. I like the Kings yeah. moving on from Stevens. I don't like. You got to change something. Them I bringing guess. in Willie. 
Um, and again, I think this is Bowman's last stand. I, th I think if if he doesn't fire the coach, someone's firing him. So he fired the coach, buys him a little bit of time. But I, I think that's all it chalks up to. Because yeah. I don't know if you saw the Patrick Kane interview um, after they fired Quinville. I didn't. Um, I guess Kane was sick on the recent road trip. Okay. And he basically said to reporters, um, you know, I just, you know, I really regret that I was not 100% because I feel like if I would have given more or could have given more um, on the road that maybe John's still here. And I think he got a lot out of this group over the last two years um, where maybe we didn't deserve to have it. Wait, who said this? Patrick Kane. He, was, he basically said, like, I wasn't my Oh, best. you mean Joel. Yeah. You said John. Sorry. I thought, I, Sorry. thought, I thought you were talking about the Kings for a second. Anyway, yeah, continue. No. Joel Pat Quenville. Yeah, he was talking about Joel um, in the sense that, like, you know, it, it's, it's our fault that he's gone, but no one else would have gotten the results out of us over the last two years other than Joel. So Patrick yeah. Kane kind of alluding to the fact that I don't know if things are going to get better with Joel Quenville gone. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. People seem to think really highly of Joel, uh, Jeremy Collison. Sure, so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, maybe it goes okay, but if it's not the right guy, this could be catastrophic is basically what we're saying yeah. in that. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Kings. <sighs> Ugh. Slava Voin... <laughs> uh, Slava Voinov has uh, applied for uh, reinstatement to the NHL after his domestic... Uh, abuse charges have been I forget the word expunged sure. is the word expunged we'll, we'll, we'll consult with uh, podcast has lawyer sponged, sponged on that one they've been sponged away <laughs> so now he can do what he wants I guess is what he thinks I don't know uh, anyway so James I have a question sure why does Slava Voinov want to return to the NHL because the money is there isn't he probably making, like, the same or more in the KHL? I can't imagine if he's trying to come back to the NHL. I guess not, but, like, if he were a good player, they'd pay him, no? Like, well, shouldn't, shouldn't he be able to make as many Russian rubles as he wants if he's a good player in not the KHL? Not if the fucking economy of Russia is just the shits. Is it, though? It's a bad league. They don't pay their players well. I'm not trying to defend Voinov. I'm just saying that the KHL does not pay its players all that great. Um, in comparison. Yeah, I guess if the economy shit, then yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then I'll give you that. Yeah. This seems like it's going to be a very long and difficult process. In which I don't think anyone's going to be happy with the end result. Like, I don't think the NHL... NHL did not want to uh, get a phone call from Slava at like 8.30 on Monday morning and be like, Hello, guys. Is your old buddy Slava. Like, that was not something they wanted. And so now they're going to have to deal with should they reinstate this guy or not. And I'm not really sure that they have much of a leg to stand on. I feel like they're probably going to have to reinstate the guy. Because if you know, the NHL, or sorry, if America is going to let him back in the country for work purposes, then kind of the reason he had to leave is gone. So, 
what argument do you make to keep him out of the league, to keep him from working? So, like, I don't think they're going to do that. And then, eventually, some team is going to get desperate for a top-four defenseman, which are, I don't know if you know this, James, hard to come by in today's NHL. Is he a top-four defenseman? He certainly was when he left. Was he? Yeah, for sure. He had one good season. Yeah, but he was young when this all happened. He was like 24 or 25, I thought, when this all happened. He's 28 now, so yeah. Yeah, around then. No, like, I remember being a very big fan of him, what he could do. Uh, he skates very well. He, he Like, he really doesn't do anything poorly. Yeah. Um. So someone is going to sign him, like, even if he's 80% of what he used to be. And there's a pretty decent chance he is as good or better now. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, you're, you're right. You know what I mean? He's better than I think he is. But. So, someone's going to... Like, there's 31 teams in the league. Like, look at some of these blue lines. Like, someone needs a guy like this. So, someone's going to fucking sign him. Yeah. And then we're going to have this guy back in the league, and it's it doesn't look good. Okay. Now, this is a slippery slope. And... We saw it recently with baseball with the Roberto Osuna situation. And there's a large, like, you have to take into consideration what has happened, um, how your organization wants to deal with it, and how lenient you're going to be moving forward. Because while I have never been, you know, charged with domestic assault I've made mistakes and I would feel very helpless if my employers held those mistakes over my head Mm -hmm. and denied me the right to continue the only opportunity I have to make a living in my life well that's why the NHL will reinstate him perhaps I think so perhaps the fact they haven't yet makes me wonder if if they will well it's a process it's not a one-day yeah. thing. It's not like he walks in and he's like, I want to work again. They stamp him. They're like, approved. Well, you know what I mean? It takes... I, they again, have to... The board I, has to review it. When like, you look at the Osuna thing with baseball, it didn't take five years to reinstate Osuna. He was back in... No, but Voinov, Voinov wasn't legally allowed in the States until recently. Like, once these all got, again, expunged okay. or whatever. Like, he did not have the option to apply for reinstatement until recently. So that's why this is all coming about now. Huh. He didn't apply for reinstatement immediately, I don't think, but hmm. like this all I thought this all happened over the summer. Okay. And now he's applying for reinstatement now. Interesting. So yeah, this wasn't like a whole thing where it's like he sat on this for five years because he wasn't sure how the NHL was gonna feel about it. He got deported and was not allowed in the States this time. Okay. So now he's allowed back for whatever however that works legally. Yeah, yeah. Um so now he's essentially applying for like a an American visa for work and is applying for reinstatement into the NHL. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't agree with his actions. I don't. You're right because a, a team is going to need those services. That's the unfortunate part about someone's going to sign him for sure. It's it's whether or not Voinov is a different man because of what is happened um do people like him deserve a second chance i'm not sure i don't i don't know the answer to that question i don't really want to give an answer to that question no that's a longer sort of i mean 
He's yes. a ho- he's a hockey player in a way. But at the end of the day, he's a hockey player. He seems to be a fairly good hockey player. A hockey team will give him a chance. The team will have to answer for those decisions when and if that's that what happens. I mean. And that's what I mean is, is regardless of what team he signs with, it's it's not so much if it's right or wrong. It's going to be more so how they approach it because they're going to have to address it. They can't just sign the guy and wheel yeah. him out and he's just part of the team. And then all of a sudden there's Slava Voinov billboards all over town and it's like, welcome back, Slava. Like, you can't, you can't do that. You have to at some point have probably a long, awkward sort of press conference and you're going to have to address some pretty heavy moral questions and conversations yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna be weird when it happens and and it is going to happen yeah and and again i'm 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 fully against the whole like don't beat your wives right really like that's 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 a shocking take you have yeah but on the other hand this guy has stood by his no contest like he's he's pleaded not guilty he repeatedly has said that you know this didn't happen no one knows the facts outside of, you know, Slava and his, I don't know if it was his wife or girlfriend at the time. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that he's guilty if uh, a court has not deemed him guilty. He, he pled no contest. He served some time because of no contest. I don't know the legal proceedings. I don't know how all this works, but I don't know. I it's it's tough. Yeah. Should we? uh, God, I didn't. Like if if, we gotta we gotta if I was heavy here. If I was involved in some something like this and I oh you're gonna keep going okay. I would I would come forth and I would say like yes I did this, and yeah. Here's the proof. I'm okay. guilty. I'm sorry. So I, I and... didn't. I didn't want to start an argument here too with you. Sure. But like, did he say he didn't do it? I thought it was the opposite. I thought he owned up to it and has Played admitted not and guilty served his charges on December first, twenty fourteen. Pleaded no contest July second, twenty fifteen. Um, mm, reduced to a no contest. Oh yeah. Okay. He was released and immediately taken into custody by immigrations and deported. Okay. So I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We, that's that's the end of the story. Yeah. Like, like. Well, my opinion. I guess you don't have one necessarily, but like my opinion is he'll get, he'll get reinstated. He'll get signed. It's going to be kind of awkward for a team, and um, what happens beyond that, I don't know, because I don't, I don't, I don't know the guy, so I can't say yeah. that you know he's a dangerous person. Like he might just be a dude that made one mistake. He might also be a terrible person. I, I'm not really sure. Um, it's it's not for us to say, I guess. But um, sometimes <laughs> there are people who continue to make mistakes. Uh, no. And uh, no way to continue our um, legal discussion. Uh, Evander Kane is in the news again. Uh, he is being sued. By his former girlfriend, um, for allegedly offering her three million dollars to have an abortion 
And she is now suing him for breach of contract, among other things. And, uh, yeah. Is Evander Kane ever gonna, like, grow up, do you think? See, like, I didn't hear any of this, so I, I don't it's know. It's amazing how that kind of just gets yeah. swept under the rug a little bit. Like, I see he had charges from 2016. Oh my god, missed an open net. The Calgary Flames and I'm Duck game the Flames is in the, the background oh my for those god. worried about Brutes's, uh you know, exclamation there. What is happening here? But um, I don't know. Like I, I did. I don't know. I, I missed this completely. I guess. Cause yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an ugly situation now, and and um, again, his lawyer has said that uh, the charges are completely unfounded both physically and factually or something like that. I don't know, he basically said, like, there's no way it could have happened or that it did happen. Um, but at what ex- like, at what point in time do we kind of look at Evander Kane and look at someone ever and where there's smoke, there's fire? Because, like, there just continues to be complaint after complaint and, like, accusations over Evander Kane. Like, charge him. This is where I, I, I don't know, like, if he's guilty, he will be found guilty in a court of law. Okay, and... yeah, no, no, this isn't a legal debate. I mean, like, like, the Sharks just gave him $49 million, and sure. this is the first season of said deal. Sure. So, like, do you think Evander Kane plays all seven years there? And is worth their forty nine dollar in million dollar investment. You can ask investment. them that question about like, any player from any team getting that contract, and I'll say no. Well, it's not about Evander Kane in this situation for me. You no. Know? If you if they if the Leafs sign Nylander tomorrow for eight years, and you ask me, do you think he'll be there for eight years? No, hell no. Why? Well, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Everyone's going to get traded before the end of their contract. No, necessarily, but, but like statistically, like the odds are in my favor if I say no as opposed to saying yes. So I'm going to say no. Okay. People I'm saying. I'm saying. Do you? Yeah, I, but I'm saying, like, at what point are off ice issues just going to plague Evander Kane more than like the Sharks can handle when they're relevant and factual and genuine and. Someone can say you did this, and here's your consequence for doing it. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I, Evander Kane makes me really nervous. Always has, and I, I don't really. This doesn't help, is what I'm thinking. I don't know. Okay. Well, you like you like Evander Kane. I don't like Evander Kane. <laughs> like, yeah, he didn't get along no, with I the Jets, know. so they traded him. I get that. That's fine. Yeah, you're a hockey player. Sometimes you're not going to gel with your teammates. I get that, but. I don't know, Accusations man. outside of a hockey rink, I don't have the authority to speak on. It, so it all started with that picture holding the money like a phone. Now it's all downhill. I've had some bad photos myself, but you've never had a photo of yourself in your life. That's <laughs> just not true, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, I don't know. Like I didn't hear about it. I can't really speak to it. I okay. just I don't think there's. Well, then we won't talk about it if you don't know much about what's going point. on. Uh, Pekka Rene. Signed a two-year, $10 million extension that Fuck will yeah. kick in next summer. Let's go. Okay. Love it. P- elaborate, sir. Show your work. Thank you. Why I love it? Yep. It wasn't a six, seven, eight-year extension. 
Well, no, but the guy's going to be 36 when this sure. contract starts, so but you're not going to sign him to a year. I, I, <laughs> you say that, but GMs continually give out these contracts to players that shouldn't be playing. Now, James, you're talking about David Poyle, the winningest general manager in the history of the National Hockey Hell League. Yeah, I am. He has a total of none cups. It's fine. Um, you would think that Pekka Rene would have just hit free agency, I thought, and I thought that would have been a good thing. No. Like, I thought that would be oh, good. Oh, God, no. Like, this is so weird. Like, oh. it, it, this is an example of you're trying to, like, control an asset that isn't an asset anymore. Well, that's I the, get he won the Vesna Trophy last year, but, like, thing, like, can we all kind of just come back down to earth now and finally just kind of admit Pekka Rene's not great? Like, he's really he good contract. a lot of nights, but, like... That's why he signed it. No, I, of course he signed that fucking contract. He knows he's not good. I'm saying, why does Nashville give him this contract when you have a guy in Soros because that they like seem to trust? Long. Yeah, but it's ten million dollars, and like, he's gonna what? He's gonna be sitting on your bench for fucking sixty-five games a year for five million dollars a year? That's not good. Maybe he's probably not even to be the starting goalie by the end of this this calendar year. Let alone the end of the season. Okay, let me run a scenario by you. Yes, sir. You've just signed an extension for the Vesna winning goaltender, and you're the first place Nashville Predators, and you get to the trade deadline, and you say, hey, this guy's not doing it for us. Let's flip him somewhere. Who says no? If he's been sitting on the bench for two months, probably been. a lot of teams. What if he ends up by that point? Why would he be? Predators are fucking 12-3 right now. He's not amazing. He's undefeated. He's not amazing. He's doing fine. He's doing fine He's currently. He's a first-place goaltender. Have you watched Pekka Rene the last few years? When the bottom falls out, it falls right out. Do you have any idea how many banners the Predators have raised uh, because of Pekka Rene? You know what? They should have like a Pekka yeah, Rene banner. They should. Not just like a number retirement, but just like a... Just, it's just like him There's and Ned. There's no winner. It's Pekka Rene, and that's all it says. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't know. I, I think it's like, a low risk. It's high not reward a high contract. risk. Yeah, you're right, but I don't. I don't know. I don't like it. Maybe he's your backup in year three. Okay, then that's a bad management. But it's one year. You're not yeah. tied into Marion Hose's contract for six years. No, I, I, I get that. My thought is he's the backup a lot sooner. I don't know. I, I think sooner. it's a safer bet than Patrick Marlowe in, in Toronto. The the thing from okay, but the other thing with with Marlowe and Toronto though I think is like there is direct competition on Rene's ass that like seems to get better more and more with each passing day. It you almost feels like now he hasn't been amazing this Toronto year. With like, Marlo? I don't think they have anyone else. To... You don't think that the six point one three three million dollars they're paying Marlowe could be better suited for a guy like maybe William Nylander? Oh no, I just mean someone currently in their organization. Like they don't have anyone. To, William Nylander. Uh, someone that's signed under contract, like someone that's like literally daily playing for your spot. Nylander is going to come back, but Nylander, like I still look at Nylander as like an entity of the Leafs. You know what I mean? There isn't like a guy on okay. the Marlies. Like, it's I not, don't, it's not like okay. you're going to call up Jeremy Bracco and he's doing Marlowe's job. I don't think they have sure. anyone. Oh, okay. I don't think they have, like, if they did, they wouldn't be struggling some nights to score goals a lot of the time. Okay. Like their bottom six would score goals sometimes. Like last night. 
Yeah, one fucking night. They got it all figured out one night. A fucking <laughs> Jimmy the Leafs fan, full force. Um, yeah, Yanni Gord. Yeah. Six years, thirty-one million. Five point one three three a year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Tom Wilson contract. Where? What do you like better? Where does Tampa <laughs> keep getting the money? I don't get it. Yeah, so I thought it was weird because I thought Gord was going to be like their their next Marsh or so. Where they were just gonna like let him walk, and then he was gonna go somewhere else and sure. do fine. Yeah. Cause like, uh, but I don't know. I guess Gord's in the plans, so I don't know where they get the money from long term, and I don't know where, who they have to move out, to, make it work. I think the one thing with Tampa Bay that like a lot of other teams can't say is they don't really have a bad contract other than like one of them. Just Ryan Callahan. They don't have a bad contract, really. But a lot of teams it's do, just though. Like, that's a thing, right? Like that's how this compounds. It adds up. That's all. It does. I'm just saying, like other teams have, like every team has, like that bad contract that's like sucking up a hole, and then you have like a few other contracts that are like not that great. But like, there's a lot of teams that have like that are beneficial, right? So it cancels out. Well, s- sometimes not every team has like a guy that gets like 20 goals on a 1.2 million dollar deal or anything like that, yeah. right? But I don't know. I like I I think he's worth it. Like I think he's he's Maybe. worth about that amount of money. I think it's a little early, but I don't know. Uh, see, Gord's like one of those guys, though. Like I test, he was always good. I thought, like they called him up two years ago for like twenty two games, and I'm watching this guy, and I'm like, this, this guy's fucking unbelievable, and he's like twenty four, twenty five. Been playing in the American Hockey League all year. You never even heard of him, and you're watching him, and he's fantastic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's... He said, he said full, one full NHL season. It was good. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. Yeah. I like it. I don't know. It's not all that much different than paying, like, a 21-year-old uh, this contract. Like, it's the same idea with Gord. He went through their system. If anything, it's better because they've watched him play professional hockey more than, like, a couple years. You know? Right. Right. So... You don't hate it? I don't hate it. I just, like I said, like I thought it was a little much for a guy that's played one season. So, okay. I don't know. Um, Shall we do the top tens? Uh, it seems fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, top ten? Yeah. Top ten? Top ten. Top ten? Couple Doritos for the top ten. Top ten? Um, what are we doing for top ten this week? All right. So... I, I, we had to do since um, a couple days after this episode comes out will be the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Yeah. Um, this year's class includes um, the best goaltender of all time in Martin Brodeur. Um, my favorite player of all time, Martin St. Louis. Um, legend uh, female player Jana Hefford, uh, our boy Willie O'Ree, the first player of color. Oh yes, uh, in the history of the NHL. Long overdue. And another guy. So we thought <laughs> the fifth guy is Gary Bettman. If you're not sure, um, um we <laughs> we have we, a trade to announce. We we think this partnership with MGM is going to be very beneficial. Um, <laughs> which we didn't talk about at all. Uh, who cares? Whatever. You can bet on hockey now. Get used to it. 
Well, Weed's legal. Let's go. Us Canadians could always bet on hockey. So. That's true. Um, yeah, we're doing top ten um, Hall of Fame snubs. Snubs. Now, the requirement to make this list is you have to have been eligible for the Hockey Hall of Fame for at least a year. So, uh, we were initially putting a guy on the list, and then we realized he's not even eligible yet. <laughs> so, that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. So, we'll wait uh, until we have to go back to that, maybe. We'll give the league some time to rectify that. Yeah, they got two years still, so. Um, but, yeah, there's um, the thing with the NHL Hall of Fame, or the Hockey Hall of Fame, rather, not the NHL Hall of Fame. True. Is that um, sometimes the requirements are not that great. Yeah. Like you can kind of just do, I'm not, I'm not going to say the bare minimum, but like you have, just achieve a certain amount and you're good. And like, I don't know, it's kind of a weird approach to your Hall of Fame, I think. Like there needs to be something spectacular about each player. Right. And like there are players in the Hall of Fame where it's like maybe nothing spectacular. And like it seems to be harder to get in for women than men. Eh, this has been a really philosophical... Been for a few years now, I guess. But... So... But, like, this could be my... This could be, like, a, a decent example. Like, Cassie Campbell's not in. Is she eligible? Eligible, sorry. She's been retired for a long time. She played in the 2014 Olympics, I'm pretty sure. No, she was working for CBC by then, I thought. I don't think so, sir. Okay. But anyway, um... Yeah, so... There have been some players that are pretty good that have not gotten in. Yeah, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna give them a shout out here, and, and and now it's it's worth mentioning, they could still get in at any time. Of course, right? Because like it took Willie O'Ree many many years, about twenty five to forty years too long probably, yeah. but Reggie Vachon um, even last year he waited since yeah. eighty five to get in. Yeah. So it so, happens. Like players, uh, the 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 hockey hall of fame for those who don't know operates under a committee and the committee could change at any time like guys retire and they they come in i think lanny mcdonald right now is the head of that committee and he's only been there for a couple of years and he's kind of started to spearhead the idea that you know certain guys that haven't gotten in should get in and so yeah tomorrow the regime could change and guys could get in and it's I, up in the air. I, I don't. I don't always need to call you out on your mistakes, but I do have to mention this. Okay, good. Cassie Campbell retired from, from professional hockey on August thirtieth, two thousand and six. No. <laughs> Check your sources. That's that. That can't be right. It's right here. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know you were wrong immediately either, so I shouldn't say you're an idiot, but, like, I was, like, 2014. I'm like, I don't think so. She did the... She commentated the 2010 Olympics. I fucked. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how old we're getting. Well, she's a good, she's getting old, too. We're all getting old. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Were you done talking? Number 10? Were yeah. Were for number 10? Uh, number 10. You gotta, uh, you gotta say each player, because it's on your laptop. It so. is. Number 10... A guy that led uh, the National Hockey League in scoring goals three times. You gotta gotta specify goals because he definitely yeah. never led the league in no, points. No, 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 no. Um, Strictly a goal scorer, this guy. Peter Bondra. Yeah. Um, Big fan. Yeah, five hundred and three goals in just over a thousand games. 
seemed like one of those players that I figured would forever be the best goal scorer in the history of the Washington Capitals. And a couple years later, a draft happened, and some guy came out of Russia that has like 9,000 goals in his L- career. Literally the last year that Bonger played in Washington was yeah. the year they drafted Ovechkin. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Again, this is a top 10 list of guys that have been snubbed. So, obviously, the, the top half of our list is going to be more defendable. But we got to start somewhere. Bondra, you could make the argument at one point, was the best player at his position because of what he did uh, goal-scoring-wise. He he beat out guys such as Grammar Yager, Timo Solani, Brett Hull, Mario Lemieux, Eric Lindros, these type of players for the lead league in goals scored. Pavel Bure even was around at this time. A guy that hit 60 on multiple occasions. Um, so yeah, I, I think Bonger is just that, that, that nice way to say you're on the list, but you still probably won't get there, unfortunately, because the, the overall numbers don't really add up. He never won any individual awards other than the fact that he would have won the Maurice Richard on three occasions if it existed at the time. He was robbed. You're not wrong. Robbed. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. I don't know. I always liked him as a kid. He could shoot yeah. the puck Unlike, like, there have been few players that I've seen in my lifetime that could shoot the puck like him. Ovechkin, um, maybe Heatley sometimes. Yeah. Um, he played I don't three know. He years. He had a ridiculous slap shot, though. He played three years outside of Washington, in which he accumulated 31 goals total. So if you just look at his Washington totals, the fact that number 12 isn't retired in Washington is a crime in the NHL. Because the guy was phenomenal for 14 years in the in, in the D.C. Yeah, no one should ever wear that number again. So, I don't know. Again, number 10, long shot, Peter but Bondra. we have to be somewhere. Peter so. Bondra. Number 9? That's number number 10. Number 9, Pierre Turgeon. Second shout-out to Pierre Turgeon on the podcast. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, this was a guy that went first overall uh, in the draft. Uh, back in 1987 to the Buffalo Sabres. I was going to say 84. So. Yeah. No. 84, I think, was Lemieux. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was. As soon as I said it, I knew it was yeah. wrong. Okay. So, Pierre Turgeon is a guy. Um, he had, what was it? He, he has the most points of any guy not in the Hall of Fame right now. 13-27. Yeah. He played for... I had for, to think about that, and I know you're looking at the numbers, but yeah, you're right. He played for, and I'll be blunt, a lot of shit teams in his career. Shit teams. Not, shit teams. Not good teams. No. Um, to the point where he never really had a chance to flourish in a team environment. And this is a guy where my argument about the Hall of Fame choosing guys that have that Stanley Cup ring falls apart. Because if you're going to elect an individual over what happened in a team sport, it really isn't fair if the team sucked or the GM was incompetent or 
your starting goaltender got hurt. Um, because as an individual, you can only do so much. And I think Pierre Turgeon did all he could, given the circumstances he was given. He was in Buffalo prior to Dominic Hasek being Dominic Hasek. Um, he was in New York for, for the Islanders. Tadrin! My back! Tadrin! My back! He was in um, Long Island uh, years after the Islanders won their cups. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's a guy that if the if the Hall isn't looking at, they should be, and I don't see how they aren't because he might not be a first ballot kind of guy. But I see Pierre Turgeon going down as the Reggie Vachon of our generation where it'll be 30 years later. He'll get in. We won't have somebody on the list and we'll go, ah, it's time for Pierre He'll Turgeon. Get in. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of amazing Pierre Turgeon hasn't been like more around the game, I think, since he I, retired. I can't believe he had more goals than Bondra. Honestly. Yeah, I like, guess. I never remembered Turgeon being a guy that put the puck in the net. He just played long enough, I guess, that yeah. you know got the totals. But that's number nine. Um, number eight on our list, Tim Kirk. Tim Kirk. Tim Kirk. Um, Philadelphia Flyers standouts. Uh, yeah. Four straight 50-goal seasons. Now, for those, for you kids at home that don't know about Tim Kerr. You young whippersnappers. Um, Tim Kerr was one of the best goal scorers in the league at the time. And uh, he had some personal personal tragedy uh, that kind of overtook some situations. And um, his career sort of fell apart based on some stuff that happened in his personal life. Uh, he lost his wife to a, a really, really just kind of terrible situation. Um, and, you know, he took some time away from the game when that happened. When he came back, he was never quite the same player and um, just never really got back to where he, he was. Um, but Tim Kerr is kind of like Mike Bossy light in yeah. a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's just like kind of the same idea had he played... A fuller career and and any and, and I mean injuries were the ultimate thing that derailed his career. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't like strictly emotional circumstances took over. Like he he, he had a, I think it was a bad knee, or yep. it might have been a back, and it just knee I think so, yeah. like just something kind of um, derailed everything. But when he was on his game before those injuries, before everything happened, uh, he could score some goals, man, and and uh, he actually. Uh, was initially going to be on our top 10 undrafted player list, which is also worth mentioning uh, that Tim Kerr was undrafted, which kind of, I think, helps his case in terms of how spectacular of a career he put together. Yeah. Because no one ever drafted him, even. And he right. managed to score 50 goals, high 50s, on multiple occasions. Yeah, he won the uh, the Masterson in um, 89, um, the year after... Um, I believe his wife passed away. He played eight games the year before, came back, 48-goal season with the Flyers. Um, went to the finals with the Flyers in 87 and 85, I believe. 
and they never won a cup, but he was definitely the, you know, the big reason, like, the Bobby Clark era was long over. Um, he was the big reason that the Flyers were what they were in the 80s, and if not for, you know, Wayne Gretzky and company, it's safe to say the Flyers may have had another cup during that era. So, he kind of falls into that whole Eric Lindros, Pavel Bure, Peter Forsberg category of, of guys that were truly great at the sport in their prime, but that prime was cut short because of, you know, outside factors. Um, so I do, I, again, have to fact-check you on this, but and I wouldn't have mentioned this, but this makes the story even more interesting, is that um, he did not win the Masterton because of his wife passing away. His wife actually passed away a couple of years after that happened. He won He won the Masterton because the year before, the reason he only played so many games, was because he had five different shoulder surgeries in a 14-month period. That's wild. And then came back and scored 48 goals. <laughs> Um, honestly, probably one of the most underrated players in the history of the NHL. Yeah. Um, like, just what For, could have been. Yeah. And you know how you hear that about guys? But, like, he actually put numbers down, and then it kind of all fell apart, unfortunately. He, but. He, he fell into that, you know, you know, not-so-rare group of guys that were really, really good at the game. Um, during the same time that Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux were just dominating. Uh, the headlines so he got a little bit lost in the shuffle and as a result I, I i think he gets in eventually tim kerr yeah i think so i could see it he um well yeah, over we're, we're not we're not gonna player. get it we're not gonna get completely into the person like everything that happened with uh with his wife and whatnot but it's a pretty tragic situation and well over um, a point for blinking Game guy. He's fa- yeah, he was a fantastic I, yeah. player. Like absolutely, Anyone he plays can... ten more years. He's a lock, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. If if he doesn't get hurt as much as he did, he was one of the guys, one of the most prime examples of injuries just derailing a career. And Definitely. that is what it is, unfortunately. Definitely. But um, number, number seven, seven Jeremy Roenick. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it is worth noting that James fought real hard to keep Jeremy Roenick off this list, and I'll, I'll give him a lot of credit on that. Um, so, I guess I'll do the talking on JR, because you're not really into the whole JR thing. Um, JR never won a cup. It's worth noting that. Um, but one of the more consistent high-end scorers, he sort of dipped a little bit, but he kind of kept things going. And what um, what made Ronick so interesting to me in terms of his career is he kind of hopped around. He played for the uh, Blackhawks. He went over to the Coyotes. He was still good there. He went to the Flyers. Everyone thought that was kind of his last hurrah. And then he ended up playing for three more teams after that as well. Uh, Roenick found a way to stay in the league and was a respected leader at the time. Um, Roenick's kind of an asshole. And you know how assholes work in the NHL. You either love them because they're on your team or you hate them because they're not. And then, you know, there's the odd guy that you like just the way that they play. I gotta admit, I didn't love Ronick when he played either, and I still don't even really love the guy as like an analyst or anything like that. He's fine; I don't hate him necessarily, but um, he was a real good agitator and a real good physical player. 
which is something that, you know, he maybe doesn't get enough respect for. Um, one of the few guys, I think there's maybe only... There's not a ton of guys that have ever done this, uh, to get 100 points and 100 penalty minutes in the same season. Uh, it doesn't happen often. Um, now, not that penalty minutes is like a... Uh, <laughs> A thing that, oh, he got 300 penalty minutes, what a player. Um, but, he played the game on the edge, he played a physical style, and uh, uh, he's an Olympian, uh, He silver medal at the Canada Cup before, um, you know, one of the better American players of all time, never really won any individual awards, he's a nine-time All-Star, I don't know, solid, solid career for me, Jeremy Roenick, uh, 1,216 points, in 1,363 games. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, the <laughs> the individual thing, the awards, stands out for me. Um, another thing that's... Uh, another standout for me, too, I must say. Although we obviously played a lot of seasons in the league. 154 playoff games. That, that is a lot. Uh, for a guy that only went to one cup final. You know what I mean? Yeah. That That is a large number. Um because you look all the time at guys that have only played like 100, 110 games and they played 20 years in the league. And uh, and kudos know. to him for sticking with Phoenix for four years plus kind of thing, right? Like, Well, it's him and Keith Kachuk, man, the boys. Right, I like Kachuk was a different circumstance because he was drafted by Winnipeg and he moved with the franchise. But yeah, man. Ronick went there Keith under Kachuk. his own... Danny Briere? Right. Teppo Newman, those were the boys. All guys that were drafted by the Jets. I can't wait to get my uh, Kachina jersey. Katana. I thought it was Kachina. That's Katana. Look it up. Keep fact-checking you. But, um, I don't know. I don't love Ronick. He's one of those guys that... Kachina! Got another one right. Oh, fuck me. (laughs) I won't even even finish my sentence because I'll be wrong, too. Yeah, you should should go. I'll finish the podcast. Thanks, James. Um... Were you were you done with Ronick? Were you still I don't know. Ronick for me just seems like one of those guys that was always really good, but never really great. But I I get it. He was never the best player in the league. Never. He was never really in that conversation. But he was consistent for a long time. I guess so. Yeah. As much as you don't want to admit it. Yeah, I guess he was. <laughs> uh, number six. What are we at? Number six. 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 This is. Ooh, uh, this is a fun one. Is, uh, I just realized yeah. who we're at. Boris Mikhailov. Boris. Our boy Boris. You're probably wondering who we're talking about. Um, Boris was the captain of the... I don't know. Soviets. Of the Soviets, Soviets. basically, in the 70s. Um, Was he the captain of the Summit Series, probably? Oh, the Summit Series? I'm not sure. Um, Definitely the Miracle on Ice. I got got him up here. I'll figure it out. But I I thought 72 to 80 he was the captain. You yep. Could be right. Yeah. Seventy-two to eighty. So he would have been the captain in the Summit Series. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Soviet MVP twice. Uh, led them in goals three times. He was an eight-time Soviet All-Star. Uh, best forward in the World Championships two years. Uh, top scorer in the World Championship one year. Um. Yeah. Like a like just a, a phenomenal player. His his totals for the Soviet team. Uh, he played 572 games for them. He scored 429 goals. Uh, yeah. 653 uh, points. Uh, he also played for Locomotive back in the day. Oh, yeah. And then uh, he was uh, he's also coached Locomotive. Hmm. But yeah, uh, a massive figure. 
in terms of uh, Russian hockey. He was the face of the era. When, well, one of the faces of the era in which they were kind of branching into, you know, playing against the Americans and then being exposed to American hockey and then eventually leading into them becoming part of the NHL and part of American culture. Yeah. I mean... Um, like, okay. you could even say kind of paved the way for Ovechkin and these guys yeah. to become what they were, Beret and well, things like that. Well, you look at how many Russians have worn... 17 or 71 mm-hmm. because of Mikhailov, yeah. you know, Malkin, Kovalchuk. Um, he was probably the best forward in the game of hockey outside in the, the world. Outside, not even that, outside of maybe Phil Esposito during the 70s. I, I can't think of yeah, many forwards that were better no one's, well, than those two. Bobby Hall. I think he was... <laughs> H U L. Bobby was, I, I think, know. he was pretty much done by that point. Like, he had his heyday in the early. Well, 60s. he was in the W. He was in the W at that. He point, was, but, yeah, but early sixties um, was his heyday. No, but I no, I do agree. In with the seventies, I, I think it was asked. Esposito and Mikhailov. Pretty much, that could go toe to toe. Pretty much, um, and this being the Hockey Hall of Fame. It seems right that we had acknowledged. The more we talk about it, it's kind of insane. Yeah. Like he should, might, she should probably even be higher on our list. Why? Well, right. I, I don't know. The other five are pretty good, but a few more Russians to go on our list, to say the least. But. True, but he he was a trailblazer. Yeah. And um, considering he had eleven points in seven games in his last international tournament, speaks volumes. Yeah. Um, like he he didn't he didn't whimper out he didn't like try to keep the career going along after it was over. He he finished off strong. He knew when it was time. And yeah, I don't know. I I, I think he's a guy that the Hall of Fame should take a look at. The fact they haven't yet yeah kind of confuses me. I think another but, important thing that you know. Maybe we should stop stringing some of these guys along for their entire life and wait for them to become old men to put them in the league because, like, yeah. Willie O'Ree's going to get in this year and he's not a young man. No. And, like, Boris Mikhailov is 74 years old. Like, it would be nice to maybe put him in the Hall of Fame. And whether or not that's something he wants or would even, you know what I mean, care, Yeah. it's still something I think he deserves to be recognized in his lifetime. Like, the International Ice Hockey Federation put him in in 2000, so right. we're almost 20 years late on getting this guy yeah, exactly. into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, so, I, I don't yeah know. And, and maybe, like, I don't know, maybe it might be some sort of pettiness brought down by the old boys club to be like, well, you know, he didn't want to come to uh, <laughs> come over here and play our game, so maybe we won't recognize him over here as yeah, part right. of our game, but like, it's a hockey hall of fame. You got Trachiak in there, so what's Mikhailov doing? Yeah. Not in it, it. It's tough to compare the leagues. I get that, but we're talking about a guy that was one ragtag teenage bunch of college misfits, shy of three Olympic gold medals, and I think that that's worth recognizing. Why do you play college hockey for James, the girls? James, James, and I had an idea today, and. Uh, Maybe we'll put like a poll out there. We'll ask some people around. We might do a bonus episode this month uh, of a movie commentary of the movie Miracle. Um, nice. Because as much as we enjoy Miracle, 
and I will admit it's one of my favorite sports movies of all time, we also do really like making fun of Miracle, so we might, uh, we might do that, because we quote Miracle to each other all the time, and in many senses we are making fun of the movie. And again, it's a good movie, but, you know, it's yeah. still also funny. Yeah. It's the best, like, we should do definitely do top ten hockey movies, because there's only ten. Um, <laughs> do you, like, is it, it's, it's the best hockey movie ever made, eh? Yeah. Like, like the best quality shot. movie. Oh, quality? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, Slapshot's so. the most iconic, probably. Yeah. Honorable mention to Mighty Ducks, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number five. I was about to drink straight out of the wine bottle there. We're not at that point <sighs> of the night yet. Um, number five. Curtis Joseph. Ooh. Number five? I thought he was four. No, he's number okay. five. Um, Cujo. The most wins of any goalie not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, isn't he, like, fourth in wins? All time. Yeah, that's pretty high. Yeah. There's been a lot of goalies in the league. It's Bruder, Waugh, Luongo, then Joseph. Luongo gets in on his first ballot, right? Oh, hands down. You hope so. I hope yeah. so. I and That'll be a fun ceremony. And the careers between him and Joseph aren't that different in the sense that neither won a cup. I don't know if Longo... Longo's got a Vesna, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Joseph never got a Vesna. Here's the problem. Here's why Dale Howardchuck is in the Hall of Fame. Because Dale Howardchuck never won a <laughs> goddamn thing. Except for the fact that he played just by chance. During the same time that Gretzky played and Lemieux played... And Yasmin played. So Howard Chuck never got a shot at those individual awards. And it's about damn time, Mr. Bataglia, that the Hall of Fame shakes its head and says, Hang on a second. The same could be said about Joseph, who played in the same time as Hashik and Wah and Brodeur. The fact that he's fourth in wins, and two of the guys ahead of him played during his era should be enough to say this guy should be in the Hall of Fame. You have a question. No. A statement. Yeah. A point. A thought. Uh. Roberto Luongo has never won a Vesna. Everything I know is a lie. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Huh. NHL Awards and Achievements. He played in the Young Stars game in 2002. Good for you, Bobby. He won the Marc Messier Leadership Award. And he's won the Jennings Trophy. Hmm. Well, in five years when we do this again, um, we'll talk about Roberto Luongo at number one and why he should be in the Hall of Fame. But for now... It's Curtis Joseph, who... In 2004, Roberto Luongo played 73 games, and he had a 9.31 save percentage. He played 4,252 minutes that season. Second in the league, I'm sure. I'm sure he stopped 90,000 shots. He just happened to play at the same time Bruder was Bruder must have won that year. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one else that could have won thing. that year. Like, Joseph should be in. 
His knocks against him is he didn't get the Vesna. Sorry, Hashik had six. Roberto had four. Who won in 2011 over Roberto Luongo? 2011, Tim Thomas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, maybe, was it 2011? Pretty sure. Anyway, uh, Curtis Joseph should be in, though, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, Cujo... So Cujo is kind of comparable to, I would actually say, Henrik Lundqvist, in a sense, too. In the way that, like... Okay, all due respect to Wa and all due respect to Brodeur. But I feel like there was like a two to three year period there. Where if someone said, you need to win a playoff game, your team's not very good. Who do you want to net? The answer was Curtis Joseph. Kind of the same answer. For me, it's still the, it's still the answer for Lundqvist. I could get people being not currently the answer. I still think I would want Lundqvist at this point. Because there's just something, there's some sort of supernatural power that comes over Lundqvist. Yeah. Um, and like, but Cujo was that way. Cujo won a gold medal with Team Canada. Um, albeit, he played one game and got, you know, replaced by Brodeur. He was just the wrong goalie at the wrong time, I think, in the NHL because he had to compete, like I said, with the Hashiks and Wavs and Brodeurs and Belfours of the time. And he never won the cup because, again... Sometimes great players don't end up on great teams. And I feel that, that was honestly the case with Curtis Joseph. Jim, so Jim Carrey's going to win a Vesna and Herbert Luongo's not. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a bad league. Braden Holtby has a fucking Vesna trophy. Like, really? Really? Anyway, Curtis Joseph should be in. Pekka Rene has a Vesna. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway, yeah, uh, it's Cujo, number four. Number uh, five, sorry. Number n- five. Number four, Sergei Zubov. Yeah. Um, this is more of a intriguing conversation because you wouldn't really think of Zubov as a Hall of Famer unless you kind of looked into his numbers. Yeah. And kind of looked into what he was. Now, what we were just saying about Cujo can also be said about Zubov because Zubov played in an era where... Era... <laughs> Where there were many, many good defensemen. He played in a defensive era, right? Defensemen were possibly even more appreciated then than they are now. Um, Played in an era against Lidstrom for part of it. Um, Scott Stevens, Al McInnes, Chris Pronger, who won a Hart Trophy. Brian Leach. Brian Leach. Um, Zubov, I think finished in the top five Norris voting once, twice, three times a day, twice. Um, He was, though, and I would argue this, maybe the best defenseman in the history of the NHL on the power play. You take a guy off the ice, and no one could quarterback a power play quite like Sergei Zubov. Uh, Now, it helped having a second defenseman in the net for the second half of his career, or sorry, a third defenseman in the net, uh, in Marty Turco, who could help you play the puck up the ice. But that, like Dallas's power play, and the Rangers' power play, and probably to a lesser extent the Penguins, because there was other entities on it, um... But they kind of fed through Zubov, and um, 
he such a smooth skater. He could shoot the puck. He could pass the puck so beautifully. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you look at um, his resume. The guy had 89 points in his second year in the NHL. <laughs> Finished fourth in Norris voting. And his teammate was Brian Leach, who happened to finish above him for points and, and voting. The year they won the Cup. It's worth noting Zubov's career in the NHL also only ended because he was decrepit at that point of his career and was so goddamn sore he couldn't play anymore. He also kind of broke in the league as an older gentleman. Yeah, 22, yeah. Right? You're right. Uh, was he 22? 22. I he was first, older now when he started playing. 22. Um, yeah, so he... 71 points in 05-06. Which is like his fourth last year in the league. Yeah, he went through a lockout and a half. That definitely hurts his, help. his totals. Um, 36 points in 38 games during the lockout shortened season. Like, right in his prime. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't see how people don't see him as a Hall of Fame candidate. Maybe because he's kind of hidden yeah. behind the... McKinnis's and all, you know, so, leeches. Since we were on the topic of playoff numbers as well, Zubov played a little over 1,000 games in the league, 1,068. Sure. He played 164 playoff games, which he is did. a lot. Yeah. 117 points. Yep. For a defense, there are a lot of forwards that... I can't imagine have Joe Thornton has 117 playoff points in his career. Uh, I can't imagine. Two cups. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. Multiple Stanley Cup winner. Um, so, yeah. Good player. The best defenseman not in the hall, is what we're saying. Yeah, I agree. Number three, what do you got? Sorry, second best defenseman not in the hall. <laughs> oh, yeah. The guy who was bowing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three, Theo Fleury. Yeah. Um, Theo Fleury, there's probably some reasons why he's not in. And I don't know... It's not based on his hockey playing. No. And that's what's kind of annoying about it. Um, Theo obviously had a lot of off-ice issues and... and it would take us hours to kind of unpack that. And, um, you know, for those of you who are listening to the podcast who have never read his book, Playing With Fire, I would strongly recommend it. Um, it brings to light a lot of things that even we were not really aware of with Theo Fleury. Um, it's very well written, and, and I would strongly recommend it. But, you know... Because of the things that happened to him, he had so many off-ice issues that, like, he would just get suspended for seemingly no reason, and then he would find out that, like, he's trying to, like, fight his coach <laughs> after the game, and, like, he was a, a loose cannon of loose cannons when he played. But obviously he had substance abuse issues that stemmed from a very, very traumatic past, and kind of... Um, made his relationship with hockey quite problematic. All in all, he was an incredible hockey player, though. 
Yeah. He was five foot six in an era where you could not be little. Yeah. Uh, sort of becomes the only reason why we have small hockey players now. Like, he was the only player even close to his size doing what he did until basically Marty St. Louis came around. And you don't have a Marty St. Louis. You don't have a Marty St. Louis getting... Marty St. Louis is not getting inducted in the Hall of Fame, necessarily anyway, on Monday without Theo. Yeah. Kind of at least giving... Ironically, the Calgary Flames, the window to look into the idea that you can be below a certain height and play the game a certain way Mm -hmm. with a certain amount of heart and a certain amount of speed. and um, Yet, to me, Theron Fleury is one of the most intriguing players in the history of the National Hockey League. But, uh, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about the guy. Yeah. I don't know. Like... He's another guy where the numbers don't say, wow, he had, like, all these great seasons and all these points. and He was he was over a point per game. 1,088 uh, yeah. career points in 1,084 games. 77 playoff games, 79 playoff points. Exactly. Steady Eddie, his whole career. Um, as a guy that was, you know, a half a foot shorter than everyone else in the league. Yeah. I think that speaks to itself in terms of, you know, his ability to play the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Olympic gold medal. Um, yeah, that too. World Junior gold medal. Stanley Cup. Uh, World Championship silver medal. Canada Cup gold medal. Uh, Stanley Cup champion. Um, like, <laughs> those are kind of the three things... <laughs> you grow up in Canada that you won as a Stanley Cup, a gold medal, and a World Junior Championship. You got her. Uh, Theo Fleury is one of few players to achieve that. Uh, he also played in seven All-Star games, scored in four of them. Um, I don't know. I, I really I, I really think the reason that he's not in has a lot to do with the fact that the NHL and organizations had to suspend him for issues that uh, you didn't really have to suspend many players for. He does kind of go down as a guy that did some really kind of nuts stuff when he played. But um, the, it's all there. Mm-hmm. And, and now that now that we know, like he's kind of reconciled um, with the league in a sense of some of the things he's done, He's reconciled his relationship with fan bases and with certain players he played with. I think, to me, he has to be recognized as one of the best players that's ever played. And and you can't say enough about how, doing it at his size. Like yeah. I just think in an era where that was size was a necessity... Not like a uh, a positive thing, like uh, like you know what I mean, like a it helps. No, it's it's you need size. Um, yeah, I don't know. He'll All, get there. He'll al- get there. Also worth noting, uh, Theo Fleury had uh, uh, he played thirty four games for the Belfast Giants of the British Elite League. He had seventy four points, two hundred and seventy penalty minutes. <laughs> Firecracker for sure. Yeah, he's a 
Yeah, a feisty little guy there, eh? Yeah. Okay, number two. What you got? The defenseman that is above Zubov that we forgot about briefly. Oh, yeah, okay, well... Doug Wilson. So, Doug Wilson's an interesting one, though. No. No, he's not. He's not? No. Doug Wilson's not interesting. No. Why not? Because you're referring to his uh, off-ice achievements, and I am not. Well, he's interesting in the sense that, like, you could put him in for different reasons. You could. You know what I mean? You could put him in as a builder. You can put him in as a player. You could. You could put him in as both. You could put him in... Pick, Take your pick. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Player. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Player. Yeah. I, okay, I'm, I, I'd prefer player. Because, like, the Sharks don't have a cup. No. So, like, you know, maybe he's not the greatest builder. But you could put him in as a builder. Yeah, you could. Um, But... As a player. A pretty dang good hockey number player. Number two. Yep. Uh, Norris winner. Multiple-time All-Star. Another guy where his biggest issue was the era he played in. This was Ray Bork's era. 827 points in 1,024 games. Um, he Yeah, yeah. Uh, 95 playoff games, 80 points in those games. Basically uh, retired with the Sharks and then said, hey, I'm going to be the GM. And he's kind of just been the GM. The yeah. Time. Like, his lowest season offensively. His wine's going down nice. Was his last. Where he played... Uh, half a year and still had 20 points with the San Jose Sharks who were very fresh to the league. Prior to that, it was uh, a 26-point performance as a 21-year-old. Again, not playing a full season with the Blackhawks. The guy put the puck in the net consistently. Yeah. His whole career. Um... Chicago, you know, they were kind of always a step behind in the 80s. Mm-hmm. He stuck around there maybe longer than he should have. And the only reason he ended up in San Jose was because of the expansion draft that resulted in him getting released at, you know, the end of his career, which is understandable. But this is a guy, this is a defenseman in a list of defensemen that really takes a lot of its meat and potatoes from this era. <laughs> meat and potatoes, nice. A little bit of background there. Uh, tonight I said meeting meat and potatoes on the bench tonight while James and I were coaching, and uh, a bunch of the players thought it was hilarious because apparently I say that all the time. Yeah. So. Um, but you're talking, yeah, the 80s. McKinnis, Bork, Leach was coming at the end. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting others. Paul Coffey. Like... Doug Wilson didn't send a fucking chance. And he still put up the numbers he put up. And he still had the career he had. And now he's having the career he's having as a GM. Like, we talk about this being a a Hall of Fame snub list. On the player front, he's number two. If you take into consideration his off-ice achievements, he's head and shoulders number one on this list. And he's getting in eventually. And that's that's what I was going to get at, is... um you know, like, I don't know if Doug Wilson ever gets discussed when I'm talking, like, hockey with other people. But 
you know, you have to take into consideration that I don't really look at San Jose's failures over the years as being like a direct result of Doug Wilson's because he always had good coaches. He, they've always had good goaltending. They've always had good defense. They've always been able to score. This team has been lethal. Basically, from the day he took the job in 2003 until today. They are still fucking lethal. And that team has turned over roster-wise completely in those 13 years. Sorry, 13 years. In those 15 years. Yeah. He has moved guy in, guy out, guy in, guy out. They draft well. They trade well. They sign well. Maybe not Evander Kane, but everything else has been pretty damn good, man. Like... He is, uh, he's on the board of directors for the Alumni Association. Uh, he's very involved in, in many other things that are going on. Positive Coaching Alliance at, um, at Stanford University. Like, he is, he is so involved in the game and just loves the game for what it is. And, like, you talk about his career earlier, too. Like, going back to his playing days. His brother won four Stanley Cups with the Montreal Canadiens, Murray Wilson. Does anyone ever talk about Murray Wilson? No, sure. You hear Doug Wilson's name all the time. Um, there are he you two... could you could put him in for any reason. He deserves to be in. He does, and he should get in eventually. There are two defensemen in the history of this game that have scored more goals in a season than Doug Wilson. Their names are Bobby Orr. I've never heard of him. Paul Coffey. I've heard of him. And then. Doug Wilson had 39 goals in a season. That's nine. And then fourth is former Toronto Maple Leaf Ian Turnbull. Close. In one game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, in one game, yeah. Did Turnbull ever get, like, 25 goals? I'm looking up right now. Yeah, I'm curious. I feel like maybe he had a 25-goal season and then his other career high was, like, eight. Mm, 22. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't bad. Yeah. That wasn't too far off. All right, Jimbo. Number one, big guy. What you got? Hit me with it. A former who, cup winner. Who, who's to say who it could be? Actually, I feel like people at home probably don't even know. But. The first European captain in the history of the NHL. Yeah. The 76 goal man himself. Alex McGillney. So I saw a tweet. This is what kind of sparked us to do the top 10 as well this week. Was I saw a tweet and it was like, does Alexander McGillney deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? I saw, I saw the tweet. And I started laughing out loud to myself. Yes. Yes. It's insane that he's actually not in. Um, he was good till the final day in the NHL. That was it. Uh, I don't understand why he played part of the year in the AHL in his last year, because he was almost a point-per-game player for the New Jersey Devils that year. But, um, yeah. Uh, I. It is one of the few times the Leafs have made a move. And I was, like, heartbroken when they traded him back to the New, New Jersey Devils during the lockout. Mm. Heartbroken. Yeah. I was going out to camp that day, and before I knew what depression was, I said to my family, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go. <laughs> I kind of want to just stay home. <laughs> I was yeah. very sad. Like, that 76-goal season was a bit of an outlier. Like, he never really came close to that total again. Well, that being said... <laughs> how could you? Yeah. <laughs> like, that being said, how, 
His <laughs> that's insane. His couple years 76 in Vancouver. Seventy six goals. That's not a real number. No. His his couple years in Vancouver. Could you imagine coaching Bure and McGilney on the same team? Because I've read in interviews with Fedorov oh. and Bure and Larianov that all said McGilney was the best of the bunch. Like hockey smarts wise. He was the greatest Russian player to come over to the NHL. One of the few players that's ever played in the league that was uh, known to have a lethal five-hole shot. Yeah. (laughs) What? That's a thing? (laughs) How do you continue to score goals that way? Hey, bud, close your dick. I'm going to score on it. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know what accent. Alex. (laughs) Alex. My my dick. You have to shoot at Grant's five-hole. Alex. Yeah, um, that's my Dominic Asik. If if those of you at home have not picked that up over the yeah course of the podcast, guy won a cup with the Devils. Yeah, um, uh, four hundred and seventy three goals, one thousand thirty two points in nine hundred and ninety games. Never got that silver stick for the one thousand game. Mark. He was the first um, Russian to defect. We wouldn't have Fedorov or Bure. Yeah, or like that is another thing too that I always forget about I don't know he changed the game in a way that if the numbers don't reflect his Hall of Fame status which they do his impact on the game should but he had the numbers to back it up he had that impact he should be one of those guys that just kind of changed the way the NHL at at least operated and it's not the NHL Hall of Fame and I'll admit that but he did something profound for the game. Well, but just even in the fact that he was the first to defect, right? Like, it kind of goes back to, I've been, uh, I listened to the 30 for 30 podcast that just came out a couple days ago about Hideo Nomo, for uh, former Major League pitcher, who was the first Japanese, uh, well, I guess Asian pitcher to uh, to go to the American... To, to Major League Baseball. Sorry, that's what the term I'm looking for. And, uh, like, he paved the way for all these Asian free agents that have come over all the years and all these draft picks, like, kind of set the table for Ichiro, set the table for, you know, Hideki Matsui, Daisuke Matsuzaka, all these other guys that have come over all the, over the years, you know, you Darvish. And, um, you know, his achievement sort of matches McGillney in the sense that if McGillney doesn't defect, if McGillney doesn't take the risk and come over and do what he did, I don't know how many Russian hockey players in the NHL there are right now. Yeah. It's hard to say. My favorite McGillney um, story, I'll say this briefly because we're running a little late, but um, he won the Lady Bing Trophy with the Maple Leafs in, um, what was it, Oh, oh three. It was like the first major award a Leaf player to won since the 60s. Big, big deal to Leaf fans. Big, big deal to the organization. And McGilney wouldn't even show up to the award ceremony. Because he felt the award was um, signaling weakness or some sort of lack of toughness in the league. 
This is a guy that oh, that's awesome. that year had put up the fewest penalty minutes in his career with 12 the year he won it. <laughs> so that just kind of speaks to the kind of player McGillney was. He was never one of those European Russians that wanted to back down or play the finesse style. He respected the rough and tumble style of hockey that and never you know, really played it, but just still no, like, wasn't he, afraid to do it. He respected right? like, it, and he didn't want to be recognized as being the yeah. guy that won that award that said, hey, you're a nice guy, here's an award. Thought it was like, the put. Fuck you, Thought it was NHL. the pussy award. Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm exactly. not fucking going on. I didn't win that. What are you talking about? I don't win that award. Only guy to win the scoring title for the Leafs while Matsonian was in town. Yeah. Great player. 83rd greatest Maple Leaf of all time? Yeah. Not a great list of... Options. Yeah, but, well, I, I'm, I'd like yeah. to. I gotta review the other J- 82. JVR's on the list. Know. I'll tell you that. So. Yeah. Dion Phaneuf's on the list. I'll tell you that. So. I got it right here. Yeah, I'll find a name I disagree great. with. It's, it's, Eddie Olchek. It's not a great list. I mean, Edzo's not a bad player, but like, what are, what are we doing here? Eddie Shack is 68th. That's it. Okay. Well, whatever. Uh, there's your top 10. Top 10. Beautiful. Top 10. Beautiful. Um, we're back next week. We're back. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back every week. There's really nothing to stop us from doing this. So no. Um, follow us at Laced Up Pod on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to us on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast apps. Or just get laced up with us. Sure. Uh, if you, I guess, I guess we could say this too. If you would like to be a guest on the Laced Up podcast, let us know. Um, you know, we don't love having guests, but uh, we'll do it. <laughs> if you got something to promote, we'll have you on. Um, I'll say this: we might have a guest next week. Actually, I'll say this: not confirmed. The, the Raptors yet, went what seven or no to start the season, and Cody Frazier got elected counselor. So. Yeah, Rod's having a good time. Come Rod, aboard. They're ten and one. We've got a good thing going here too, so. with our guests. So let me see. The Raptors win tonight. Uh, it doesn't come up on my thing. Reg got hired as like Canadian Engineer of the Year or something. Like yeah, that, right? Reggie's actually doing the the laced up bump is a thing. I'm telling you, we're not doing great individually, but our guests do well. I'm nominated so. for best Twitter in the Walleye, man. All right, that's a big thing. I've got nothing going. On <laughs> so I um, should have someone from the Walleye. Ooh, I have a friend who works with the walleye. I should have her on. Let's do it. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Uh, let us know, too, if you're interested in the bonus episode. Because we'd like to know if that's a thing we should do, maybe. We have some ideas. So. Um, we also might try a mailbag soon, I was thinking. Wow. Yeah. Mail it in Mondays. Well, like, I continue to get things of, like, you should mention this on the podcast. So, like, maybe we should start mentioning yeah. things. If there's I don't, I don't know why all of a sudden I'm Mike Babcock. You know, you're the real good player. You mentioned, uh, you know, he's got some you good know, jam. You should talk about, uh, you know, I thought we had a real good effort. The real good uh, ex- execution, you know. I thought we played a real good five minutes you know, to start I the game. Speak for itself. You, know, but uh, you gotta be ready to start on time, you know, you know uh, yeah. in this league, you know. You know Friday, uh, no days off. I thought he was uh, you know, real good. Real good. So, you know, uh, Kyle makes those decisions, you know, it's not up to me, but uh, I coach the team. Uh, if Q wants to work, you know, he's gonna work, you know. One of the best coaches of all time. What do you want me to say? Next question. Nailed it. (laughs) 
Thanks. This is now a Mike Babcock <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, we're never getting him on. He's never going to hear that. Who cares? And even if he did, you know what? Goes back to the Sens conversation. Beauty. He talks shit about your bosses. Yeah, definitely. He's not my boss, Fuck but, him. you know, I'll yeah. talk shit about him. Um, okay. This has yeah. been laced up. You got anything to plug? Not a thing. You're good? Yeah. Go, go see the Glorious Sons in a couple weeks. Then, right? oh, yeah, we'll be at a concert yeah. there. We'll go to a concert. Okay. Fuck, fuck, do they watch hockey? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I guess we gotta look into that. Yeah. Should have got VIP tickets. Yeah, that would have been... Could have just had the microphone in my pocket. Like, <laughs> what's, what's that big snowball doing in your pocket there? Oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. It's my dick. That's that's my cock. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, See yeah. you next week. Good night. All right. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. Sirens, I ran right out of juice. They're gonna put me in a cell.